fake facts from the geek out heroes real fake facts if you have sex at an olive garden you're committing incest because when you're there you're family <laughs> well new definition of free breadsticks <laughs> it's safe words when that's why when they ask you if uh, when you when you come in all right what's the name under you all walked in that day and sat down at that table and re- didn't realize you became a Vargo that day. Not a bad stipulation. <laughs> I just got to cover everything at Parmesan cheese. If you're a cheese lover, you're welcome to my family. Heroes, this is Vargo. Miles. Anderson. By the way, thank you for clearing up the cast notes. Did I? Uh, was that significantly smaller than what it was? I don't remember doing it. <laughs> if I did, I, it might have been you, Anderson. I don't know. You might be thinking yourself. So thank you if you did. did I pull it. A Stephen King. So thank you if you it did. It was drunk. Um, it was dark. He thought he was blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know what that movie Circuit Window was about. <laughs> <laughs> a guy going through and changing change his, his gas notes. All right. <laughs> and now remembering it all. Yeah. So listeners, this this week, uh, sorry, we've been we've been kind of off and on so inconsistently. Uh, nothing seems to be going right. <laughs> life, life finds a way to absolutely get in the way. So, uh, pretty sure that's where that, that line was going in Jurassic Park. I don't know what they were talking about with the dinosaurs, but still. <laughs> Life finds a way of screwing you over. Yeah. Listeners, we're going to start off with uh, Rings of Power. Uh, Miles and I have been watching that. And uh, not to do like a, a, a real full review, I guess, of the entire season. But uh, we can tell you that it's slow. Not a whole lot happens for episodes on end. It is a lot of fucking filler for no fucking reason. Yeah. Simple drama, you know, stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it desperately wants to be game of Thrones without the ability of being game of Thrones. And, uh, that's not a strong suit. That's, that's not something that helps the story at all. Um, I mean, I get that 
in in Middle Earth, there's going to be political intricacies and stuff like that. And it would be fine if that's what the entire show is based off of. But instead, they're just making a lot of shit up, as very evident from last night uh, or not last night. But uh, well, I guess it would be last night. Technically, it came out on on Friday, technically. Yeah. So um, it's. Uh, you know, I, I, let's let's put aside the the problems that I have with the elves and the fact that you know they don't look like elves, and you know you and I could be a fucking elf, uh, Miles. I mean, Anderson could be a fucking elf with with you know with the way they look. Uh, just average everyday fucking people could be elves in that show, which completely takes away from what they look like. But still, let's let's put that aside and, and look at some of the other bullshit and uh, go. All right, well, uh, if it, that aside is is it a good is it even a really good fantasy show? And the answer is no, it's not. Uh, if it weren't, if it weren't based on Tolkien at all, and we're based it, like, let's say this was an original works, I would still sit there and go, man, this is just not good. And it has nothing to do with Tolkien at that point. It has to do with the fact that the pacing is trash. Like there are certain things that don't make any sense. Uh, why does Galadriel know that there's a war going on in a land that she's not, she's hasn't been in why does she like why why is she trying to rise or get you know Numenor to, to rise up and and ride with her into Middle Earth when she doesn't she hasn't been there she doesn't know that there's a fucking war right it doesn't make any sense like the whole thing is surrounded around the idea of oh well Sauron has been leaving clues for some dumb fucking reason with his symbol clues that he's going to be where Mordor is and uh, so she needs to ride there to to stop him. And apparently she needs an entire garrison with her uh, in order to do that. Okay. Like y- she had a handful of elves that were barely capable of getting through a blizzard with her to, to try and take him down before. But, you know, now she's got an army for some reason. Like th- It doesn't make any sense. None of this logic tracks with any of it. And it doesn't make any sense. Just bad writing. Yeah. How did she get her armor magically back? Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you go from jump? Or like you're, you're going to be going into, you know, the, the undying lands, which was hysterical for me. Like, Oh, we're going to go through a portal. Like, that's not how that works, but okay. Uh, so they're, they're going to go into the undying lands and she goes, Nope, fuck this shit. I'm out and, and jumps off, goes into the middle of the fucking ocean, the fucking ocean and decides I'm going to swim all the way back. Which is just uh, so dumb <laughs> in the first place. Uh, you know, obviously she doesn't have her armor, and then you know, and and it's not the exact same uh, armor she had there. I don't think. I'm, that's what I'm basing it off of. I'm I just, think it is, but it it just it looked it looked quite similar. Hey, listeners. So Miles and I went back and take a look, to take a look at this to make sure that I was remembering it right or he was remembering it right. I'm correct. It is different armor. But here's the thing that is just a testament to how bad the costuming is when the armor looks so similar in styling that armor that she gets from Numenor looks exactly like armor that's supposed to be designed by the elves. Go back and look at the Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The armor that the men wear compared to what the elves wear is very distinctive. And you can tell one is elvish and one is made by man. It's not the fact that the ones made by man are worse. It's just they're clearly made for different kinds of people. One is designed for an elf. One is designed for a man. Man needs more protection on the battlefield. Isn't as quite, you know, isn't quite as nimble. Is going to need a little more, a little more help. Whereas the elves less, 
They were faster, stronger. They could do things that men could not. Even the men from Numenor, who are supposed to be the best of the best, closest thing to elves. They lived longer than regular men. They were blessed. And yet, her armor looks very similar to what she starts with to the point where we literally were like, I don't know if you're right or or, or if I'm right. That's not good. I I mean, I have to go back and watch the first episode, but it's just everything about this show is just like, man, for for a solid fucking hour, nothing happens and it's not very good. And then the last nine minutes. All right. Well, uh, you're going to get a little bit of story progress. They have too many different focuses going on with not enough actual story. And it's very evident that the creators cherry picked what they, what they wanted to tell because they have you know so many events that are taking place in the show that take place over thousands of years in the lore. And uh, I mean, nothing, nothing is more evident of that. And uh, you know, than the last or yesterday's episode with the uh, volcano, um, the fact that that is how mountain dune or, or sorry, I keep saying Mount Dune. It's Mount Doom. It's D-O-O-M. For some reason, I keep saying Dune and Doom, and then I get them mixed up, and sorry. So, Mount Doom. The fact that that's how Mount Doom uh, gets created <laughs> is just fucking asinine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, that is absolutely bullshit. And listeners, and, and, and I... I'm going to put aside the fact that, you know, the fact that Mordor and Mount Doom existed for thousands of years and were originally the land was originally created and turned into the way that we see it. The way that we see it in Lord of the Rings was turned into that by Morgoth, not even Sauron, but by Morgoth <laughs> when, when he came to Middle Earth. I mean, there's a reason why it's called Mordor. It's a derivative of Morgoth, the guy who created the area. Like, and instead they have it made from some complete fucking nonsense. He made sure that the land acted that way in in that area that you had the green fields, that you had the saltwater, you know, the, the uh, saltwater lakes, you know, Mount doom. You had, you had all these things there. Uh, Those were done way before Sauron settled there. There were, those were, you know, kind of the mark of, uh, of the evil that came to that land. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put that aside and we'll just look at how volcanoes react to steam and water. Uh, and uh, the funniest thing was the fact that listeners, I'm not even kidding you. The, the second miles and I finished. So we actually watched the episode technically on Thursday. Uh, so it'd be Thursday night is when we watched it. And when we got done, but I, when when that when the scene came up, Miles and I both went bullshit. Yeah, that is fucking horseshit. And I go online and I'm like, I got to see what any what anyone's saying about this, even even from just a Tolkien <laughs> fan talking about it. And the uh, the amount of articles that were already already out within within or actually one of them was out like with, you know, four hours before the episode actually aired. So they dropped theirs too early, but there were ones that were, that dropped the second, the episode went live to tell you that volcanoes can erupt from, from, from water uh, interacting with magma. Uh, And uh, yes, that is true. 
If there's no steam vents and there's no way for steam to escape, then yes, it can cause an eruption. That's just a buildup of pressure. That's what normal volcanoes do. Um, with just pressure alone, yeah, they don't cause explosions. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is, is we were watching this and there was plenty of areas for the steam to go. And there wasn't enough, like the, the water that was, that was pouring into it wasn't filling up that chasm and wasn't, you know, like it just, there was, there was, it was too much bullshit. Yeah. And the fact that they were sitting there going, oh, they, they, they talked to volcanologists and geologists. Well, there were several volcanologists and geologists that replied and said, that's bullshit. And on top of that, listeners, the fact is, is the only reason why those articles existed, which is because they knew immediately that there would be people like you and I who would go, that's bullshit. My brain cannot compute the nonsense I just saw. There are places for that that steam and and the the lava to go to flow, not just to cause the the mountain to explode. So like the, yeah. a lot of it doesn't make sense. And no, the the opening where the water came in was massive. Yeah, it was easily five times the size of the stream of water yeah. that was coming in. Yeah, it's, like there's and it was a massive chasm. There's tons of space for steam to expand and you know dissipate in. Yeah, it just it it didn't make sense. Like we, we just like, I instantly that, that was those listeners, you know, those moments where I've told you that if my brain turns on it's crap and it was instantly like, that's like my brain clicked on instantly. I was like, that's like physics were going, was, was running through my head. I'm like, no. <laughs> and there are plenty of people who were just criticizing. They're like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, I, I am well aware, listeners, that again, I'm well aware that steam can can create, you know, can contribute and create eruptions in volcanoes. That happens normally, but that's because the steam has no place else to go. Yeah. When it has no place else to go, you get cracks, you get fissures, and it causes eruptions. It causes leakages. It causes, you know, this is this is what this is what normal volcanoes do. And yeah, there was a shit ton of water being coming in contact with magma, but it just it was so like the way that they didn't, they didn't show it was like, it was basically like the equivalent of like water just touched it and everything exploded instantaneously. And you're like, that's like, there was no buildup. There was no kind of showing the reaction. And, and I understand they're probably, probably cutting for time, but they're kind of, they're cutting for time on a show. That's already over an hour long. They've shown nothing for my, for a majority of it. Like, don't get me wrong. There was plenty of fighting in it, but there was nothing that really made any progress to the story. And the fighting wasn't even that great. It was, badly choreographed and wasn't impressive to watch 62 million dollars an episode i mean we had a moment where yeah. a tower was taken down and sorry for the spoilers but a tower was taken down and it didn't kill anybody apparently like it was this big dramatic scene for no fucking reason right it apparently didn't do anything yeah it was a visually i mean you know it still hits a lot of marks you yeah know, uh, a good chunk of the time and that's that's kind of disappointing in its own right, just because there's some actual TLC when it comes to effects and, and visualization a lot yeah. of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. And then you get crap. <laughs> yeah, right. Overall, the makeup department's done a pretty good job with the orcs. I don't know why they're all white, but it's just one of those. It's like it's, it's one of those interesting things. Like the only time I the only time we've ever seen orcs is from Lord of the Rings and from the Hobbit. So we go, OK, well, uh, you know, Ozak was Ozak. Ozak. Azog. Azog. God damn, dude. See, he has 
I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. So I'm, I, I blame, I'm blamed the fact that I'm terrible with names. He, he's kind of unique. He was like the, the, this white writer. And that was kind of the, the myth around him. He was, he was supposed to look different. The typical thing you do with a, a key villain, you make yeah, them right? look unique. <laughs> yeah. And then you have these guys and they're all white. And I'm like, all right, yeah. well, even, whatever. Even the, even the guy that's leading them, almost blends in with his own troops. Not quite, but <laughs> like, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's got good moments as far as that goes, but yeah, it's, it's wasted. Yeah. Ultimately. And, and listeners, I might be wrong, but I, I thought the, I thought that the, uh, the first, uh, orc essentially that were changed, that were trained, changed by, uh, the elves were called Urukai, not, uh, Uruk. Uh, maybe maybe Urukai is plural. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, it was kind of like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of little stuff if you're if you're really into to Tolkien lore or anything like that, or even if you just know some Tolkien Tolkien lore. And uh, then there's the fact that like when you go back and like, all right, well, is it a good fantasy? Well, no, because not a whole lot's happening, and that that's kind of and listeners keep in mind, I don't like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I hate that fucking show. Uh, I think that uh, George R.R. R. Martin is one of the most bloviated fucking writers I have ever heard of because <laughs> I've I've read pieces of some of his fiction. I'm like, eh, it's not very good. I'm sorry. It's right. it's just not. Uh, and, and that's just my opinion. So what does my opinion matter? Fucking nothing compared to a fan. If you're a fan, you're a fan. But it's it's that line of like, all right, well. Is Game of Thrones good fantasy and or, or even good for fans? And they like it. And a lot of the fans like it. And that's that's the thing is like they they had this thing of like, all right, well, we were able to tote the line with the fans. Fans enjoyed it. Non-fans enjoyed it. People could get into it. And then there was that hard line of like where we they they ran out of uh, content from in from the, the author. So they started creating their own thing. And that's when the showrunners prove that they don't know how to write story at all. I'm with you 100% fans. I, I know that Thrones let you down and I I'm totally understand <laughs> after everything that I've seen from how people react to that. Totally get it. When you're passionate about something, you're going to get pissed real fast. So in Tolkien, you're, you're watching this. You're like, all right, well, is it good for the fans? Well, it doesn't cater to the fans and it doesn't cater towards uh, a lot of Tolkien because a lot of it's being made up since they don't have the rights to so much of it. and then. You go, okay, well, they've lost the fans already. Is it good fantasy after that for people who, who don't know Tolkien? Well, if, you, if you've watched Lord of the Rings, you're still going to have some issues with it. So there's that small chunk of people who are kind of going to get lost with it. And then you have the rest of it. Like, well, is it good fantasy? It's not. It's, it's not good fantasy. There's a lot, of, a lot of talking and posturing and stuff like that with no, move, like no moving of plot. I mean, it's been it's been pretty well stated, I think, uh, amongst the community that the most interesting and entertaining aspects of the show tend to revolve around the Hardfoots and the Dwarves. And we've had two yeah. episodes so far where they are not present at all. Which yep. is disheartening, to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> like they all right, the, the enjoyable parts aren't even going to be in this episode or this episode. So it makes you wonder how how frequently that's going to be the case. Right. They're yeah, being they, treated like Game of Thrones is original Game of Thrones is dragons. Like 
Yeah, they're in two episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually a good point. I mean, they're they're really being treated like these are just sidelined characters. We made a big deal about them for some reason, but they're not really being used to their fullest potential. And on top of that, you have certain things like making like completely making up lore and that's hard for people to 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 accept like it's impossible for a fan to accept and then you hear like the other thing was like you hear how mithril was made mithril in in the show not in in tolkien listeners but in the show mithril was made when uh during a bat or with a battle with a balrog and it lit up one of their sacred tree one of the elves sacred trees and because that it was the sacred tree was holding uh, the one of the light of the Cimmerils and the uh, or the effect of that caused it to the light to seep into the ground and create Mithril the ore. And while it's fantasy and stuff like that, and you can say, oh well, it's fantasy that could easily happen. You haven't explained really to anyone what the Cimmerils are in the entire show. How are you giving them any kind of explanation as to what those are? as to how this happened. So they've got this just like bullshit lore thrown in, which pisses off the fans. And then you have the fact of like, you haven't explained this to people who don't know it. So you're, you're trying to cater to the fans by saying, Oh, remember the Simrolls? And people are like, Oh, the Simrolls. Like that's, that's the, that's what people are going to, you know, they're, they're hoping people are going to do, but instead you've, you've pissed off the fans by completely ignoring lore, probably because you have to, but on top of that, you've turned around and not given an explanation to people who are watching. So people who watch go, okay, I guess like, I don't know. I don't know what that means, like how that happens, but okay, I suppose I'll like, I'll accept it. And there's just a, like, again, there's like these, these, all these little plots going on over and over and over again. Like, like we have to explain where Mithril comes from. Why? What does that have to do with, what does that have to do with any of the plot that we're seeing right now? What does that have to do with Sauron's rise to power? What does that have to do with the creation of the rings? Oh, well, one of the, well, and the idea, listeners, I get it. The idea is one of the, is that the elven rings made from mithril. Okay, well, the elven rings enhanced the power of the elves. It didn't continue. It didn't contain or uh, keep the elves powerful in the land of Middle Earth. And in the show, it's being very much purported a, or a, a purported that uh, mithril is what keeps the elves uh, alive and what what's get, what gives them their light back because they're losing their light and, and uh, the land is dying. Their, their trees are infected. Like one of the, one of their the trees has, ecosystem is dying. dying. Yeah. One, one, I mean, one of their trees is infected with uh, you know, symbiote syndrome, I guess. Cause you know, it's all black and veiny, you know, they gotta, they gotta get rid of venom off of that thing. They just discovered an, a, a new sort resource. It's crude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns out the reason why the elves died off is because industrialization. Congratulations, you <laughs> fucking monsters. It would not like here's that here's the saddest part that would not surprise me at this point with everything that they're just making up. Absolutely would not be shocked at all. Right. Unbelievably, the show is getting worse and it's not getting worse because it, it, and honestly, listeners, it's actually not getting worse because of the made up stuff. It's actually getting worse because it's just so fucking boring. You spend four episode, four or five episodes, four episodes on Numenor for Gladriel trying to convince everybody, sail with me to Middle Earth. I have to get to Middle Earth. We need to go to Middle Earth over and over and over again. Then they finally go, you were going to go to Middle Earth. And you spend two more episodes on Numenor. Right. 
supposedly getting ready to go to go to Middle Earth, and then uh, one, you know one full episode trying to convince everybody else in the town or in in the uh, the land of Numenor that oh we have to go to Middle Earth. Like man, this whole thing is just not adding up. None of this is actually being being well told, and the choreography for fighting is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, some of the deaths are, are fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, some of that stuff's pretty cool. I enjoyed watching Galadriel bend over backwards to slice the guy's head off completely unnecessarily. Right. It was just that reminder of like, oh, by the way, she's an elf. Remember, she <laughs> like, that's the thing is like they do all these weird like moments of like trying to remind you that, oh, she's an elf. She's not just some helpless girl. And there are other ways that they could do that, but they don't. They don't try to remind you constantly that, oh, this person is actually faster. They're actually stronger than everyone else. Instead, they give her these ridiculous fucking like moves and poses for fighting that don't make any sense. And you're supposed to remember, oh, she's stronger than these people. She's supposed to be faster. Well, that's not true on Numenor. And the people oh. of Numenor are supposed to be are supposed to be people who live longer. Majority of them are supposed to be people who are stronger than men, than than other men. The soldiers of Numenor are supposed to be the best of the best. Listeners, that's actually true. Hell, the 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 lead commander that they show off in the in the show is nothing compared to what he's what he's talked about in in tolkien in tolkien he's over seven feet tall he's a monster of a human being scares the shit out of people <laughs> uh you know you 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 make the uh the point of her being faster and stronger etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah. right but they never quite establish that they just they don't do a good job of actually establishing that she's stronger or faster or anything else none of the elven qualities are really attributed to her in her actions and uh for for her chase scene, right where she's chasing down a target, she disappears mm. for almost the entirety of the the finish of that. Yeah, like you were right there. Like yeah, she just kept just keep she just on kept, riding. Yeah, she she just kept galloping <laughs> on. She couldn't convince the horse to turn back. I, I guess it was a where the fuck did Optimus go moment for Rings of Power. And uh, I guess quick spoiler but at this point in time i don't know if i even really give a shit considering the quality of the show you know what fuck it uh, screw it just full-on spoilers the eruption the eruption uh, of mount doom that that pyroclastic cloud literally nothing is surviving that (laughs) no nothing doesn't happen (laughs) yeah like so the initial blast i was surprised it didn't knock everyone completely off their ass like on their ass right I mean, that I could I could give some sort of credence to, but we've seen what these pyroclastic flows do yeah. in, you know, uh, Haiti, in Herculaneum, in <laughs> Pompeii, like instant death. It, it literally instantly cooks you. Yeah. <laughs> not survivable and certainly not even by an elf. But, yeah. you know, Go watch Dante's Peak. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why it would kill everything. I mean, the, when, when you see like listeners, when you see what happens after a volcano, like the trees that are all dead around, like around where an eruption happened, that's not from lava. It's not like that. That's from that's from that's from the intensely hot air that's created most of it. On top of that, you have this incredibly acidic and toxic carbon 
that goes in the atmosphere. You have ash fall. I mean, it, it kills everything around it. That's why when you see it, it looks like a massive forest fire took place, took place or just a nuke went off. It kills everything in the area. So, and they say, well, we, 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 this is the way that the, these, the, the Hollywood types go is like when anyone has this kind of knowledge, they immediately try to back it up with, oh, well, we, we talk to geologists and, and, and volcanologists to make sure that it's accurate. You talked to them briefly while they explained to you that, yes, it's possible to do these things. And you just took a, it's possible it's in the show. That's it. Right. Okay. Well, suspicion, you know, suspension of disbelief. Let's just go with that and say, okay, well, this is all possible. Um, there is going, there is a mind breaking moment for anybody watching anything uh, who has a little bit of knowledge in just certain aspects where you're, you're going to go bullshit. Yeah. That's just what happens. That happens with a lot of stuff. I mean, that, that happens with pilots when they watch movies like top gun that happens with, you know, with, with anybody watching anything where they know a little bit of something and uh, you know, not for nothing listeners, we're not geologists, but uh, one of us is married to one. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, when you had uh Shana, look at that. Yeah. What was her reaction? Immediately. <laughs> immediately she called it out as utter nonsense yeah you know straight from from beginning of that scene all the way to the end she's like that's ridiculous I'm like wouldn't happen i was like that's what i thought i was like yeah. but i'm not a professional but yeah just i'm not a biologist sensibly didn't make it <laughs> yeah. we better do what she says she's a land biologist <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's not a show, listeners that I that I'd ever really, really recommend to anyone at this point. Um, the no, first, the really, first, we're at this point we're finishing it just to finish it, and that way we can talk about it here. Yeah, absolutely, listeners. the The first two episodes actually showed some promise, to be honest. Uh, like when we when we were yeah. watching it, like I, I I have to say I would probably have gotten it from the first two episodes, probably given it given given my limited knowledge of Tolkien and where it was at, I probably would have given it a six. 6.5 out of 10. It was enjoyable. I was, I was, I was for the most part entertained. Uh, I had my own little gripes and it mo- like uh, I've said this before, it was just mostly had to do with the elves. And when we got, but, but when it came down to things, I was looking forward to what was going on with the dwarves. I was looking forward to, I was even looking forward to the Harfoots knowing, even knowing that they weren't supposed to be there in that age, but I was going, all right, well uh, I'm, I'm going to be here for a ride. Hopefully it'll be entertaining. Hopefully we're going to see some fun stuff. And like miles said, it is visually there are moments where like, yeah, actually the CGI is worth it. Like it, you can tell 60, you know, $60 million per episode in some areas, absolutely worth the money they spent, uh, visually for a lot of effects and stuff like that. But the things that aren't matching up with that is like, well, the, the quality of storytelling and you go, yeah. man, like this cost you guys how much? Uh, it's the most expensive show in history. It's uh, it's over a billion dollars. Lipstick and, on a pig. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it, yeah, lipstick on a pig, and that's exactly it. It's like, all right, well, yeah, you, you pretty it up in areas, but for the most part, it's it's still pretty bad. Uh, the other things now, are, are too glaring. Say, I will say, even after all this, it is still better than I expected it to be, because I expected it to be even worse. I will say after this or after all of this, it is still better than a CW show. <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> and I cannot remember the actor's name. Um, but the actor who plays the uh the black elf. Um 
for the most part, I feel like he is the strongest uh, elf character they've made uh, in the show, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate. I'm not saying because he's black listeners, because uh, it's because his character is sidelined a lot by other things going on. Yeah. So like you, you don't get a, you know, you, you know that he's been in the area for a while, but you don't get a good sense of the things that he's experienced, the things that have happened throughout that, uh, that land while he has been at that post. Uh, the original idea was that he and the rest of the elves were going to leave their posts and they were going to go back to the undying lands. He didn't want to go obviously because he had, you know, he has a relationship with a human here. Um, and I don't know where they got the whole thing of like humans and, and elves never, uh, <laughs> never had kids or that, you know, no one had a relationship. That's complete horseshit. Uh, that, that happened plenty of times <laughs> during, during, during all that time with humans for thousands of years that happened plenty of times. Uh, it's guaranteed. Yeah. And he comes across, uh, sadly as sometimes being kind of foolish. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to get to is the fact like, like inexperienced. Yeah. Even he, though he's, you know, hundreds of years old, if not older. And that's why I brought up, like, you don't, you don't have any kind of gauge of like what he's gone through and stuff like that. But then you have these areas where he's just, he, he comes across as incompetent and you're like, isn't this somebody who's been at this post for hundreds of years? Isn't this somebody who actually went through part of the war with Morgoth? Like this guy has seen some shit. Like at some point you become a tactician when you're dealing with an enemy that's been around you the entire time or you've fought against on top of that. It's almost like they could completely forget that there's a gauge that we have of Legolas where, you know, Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? And this guy has none of that. They just built a trench in the same land he's been living in while he's been atop a tower that sees uh, oversees the entire land. And somehow he missed it. He does an excellent job of making Legolas look even more like a badass. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely true. And I, I think like, that's man, you I think really feel in comparison. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true for every elf. Every elf makes Legolas look like a fucking just that guy was a goddamn superhero. Basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, Gladriel did the whole bend back and, you know, swiping a. You know, her sword, uh, you know, upward, upward uh, slash to cut off a uh, uh, orc's head. Watch that. Listeners, if you watch this and you watch that scene, watch that scene again and tell me that scene makes sense. Right. She she leans over to the side to avoid an arrow and then stays that way. And then upward slash that doesn't look like it's at any kind of angle to have done that. And it's it's mind breaking <laughs> for me when I see it. I'm like, mm, that doesn't look right. Uh, when she does it uh, on top of that, it feels like there, there, there could have been so many areas where they could have just, they could have established her as a badass. but uh, you know, one of them being the fact that, you know, her ability to use magic that's never used in the show. Um, that's mind fuckingly stupid to, to not include uh, the fact that she, <laughs> she was hasn't a sorceress classes yet. She's still, yeah. she's still on, she's still, she's still rogue. Yeah, she's she well, she was barbarian to begin with. Now she's on rogue. She's getting her she's getting her Palatin's license and then she's gonna go over to being a sorcerer. So Yeah, I think the only uh the only elf ever to really hold a candle to Legolas was Tariel, and she was completely made up too, but I actually really yep. liked her character. But I liked her character, yeah. Uh like, that was the only person that I'd be like, all right, yeah, this person can hold their own 
with <laughs> with Legolas. She can't like that, and that's a, that's a really good ex, you know uh, point is to make like you you have Teriel who's a a female elf warrior, and they make her look like a badass. There are things that they establish the fact like she is good at what she does. She's she's actually competent. And you cross section that with Galadriel in the show, and it just doesn't. She doesn't come across as an elf at all in any way, shape, or no. form. And nope. it's 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 those. And the reason, listeners, the reason why it's so hard to accept is because it just it's, you don't see her as that the entire time. You don't see her as an elf. She doesn't come across as that. She comes across as this dainty little person. And you're like, man, like you don't seem like you could hold your own in a fight. It's she, she's the, she's, she's supposed to be like the, like, I don't know. They, they make her seem like she's like the decept it's deceptively cold. You know, listeners, when you look outside and it's really sunny and it's during winter and you're just looking at how beautiful the sun is and, you know, shining and everything like that. And you're like, oh man, it looks like a great day. And you open up the door and it's 20 fucking degrees outside. <laughs> it's deceptively cold. You're, 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 you're like, oh, it, it looks like it's, it's a nice day. But when you open up. Oh no, it's actually very, very frigid. Well, for her, it's you're you're dainty and small, and there's no way you could do all these things. And then she does them, and you're like, oh yeah, elf. <laughs> like you're constantly having to be reminded, reminding yourself of oh, she's an elf. Yeah, she can do these things. Um, so let's bring some of the Tolkien lore into it and the problems that we have with that. But that's the same with all the elves in the show, listeners. You don't believe for for one fucking second that they can hold a candle to anyone, any of the elves in Lord of the Rings. In any of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, you don't think one of the fucking elves in in the show can hold a candle to him. I don't care which character you pull from. doesn't matter if it's Galadriel. doesn't matter if it's Arendir. It's it's just not going to happen. You're just not going to buy it for one fucking second that they're as good as any of the elves that you've seen from any of the Lord of the Rings. It's just insane. The Tolkien problems, the, the problems that are there that are Tolkien, if I say it correctly <laughs> with South Park, uh, the problems that I have with that are numerous, but uh, it's, you know, a lot of things that he describes look way like the, the looks, uh, the ways that they act. The uh, how the you know the land that uh, the land that Mount Doom sits in uh, the way it was created originally, uh, none of that stuff is reflected in the show, and it feels like it. Sh- it the the show would have benefited more from not being called Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power. It would have been better if it had just been called something else because there's too many things to compare it to. You're able to compare it to Lord of the Rings. You're able to compare it to the Hobbit and what we know from there. And when you go into the show, you're like, the only things that really resonates here is some of the things with the L or some of the things with the dwarves and some of the things with people like man, man, not being capable of fully defending themselves against some of these orcs. And you go, all right, well that, that, that lines up with what I know, right? But you start going into how the rings were made, the fact that Sauron wasn't being hunted the entire fucking time he existed, the fact that Galadriel wasn't a warrior. She was a she she's fucking royalty in the elves world. Like she's a she's a fucking queen. <laughs> uh, and her husband isn't even in the show. 
they don't have, she doesn't have any, like her husband's not in the show. None of their kids exist. I mean, uh, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure one of her daughters is married to uh, ends up being ended up being married to Elrond. Um, who, by the way, Nerd of the Rings, if you ever hear this, I doubt you ever will. Uh, I love your content. Love a lot of the stuff you put on there. Listeners, there's a great one that's about the uh, the land of or how uh, Mountain Doom uh, was created and how um, the land of Mordor was made <clears throat> and just the the attributes that it, there were around it. Uh, he puts out some really good stuff. But I will say I did think it was funny that after the sixth episode, he said that he would not be giving a full review on the show until after the show was over. And I immediately went, oh, so you can make sure you're you're getting all that Amazon money in before you may you make your actual uh, statement about what you feel about the actual show, because I have a hard time believing that somebody who knows so much about the lore is completely OK with this. Yeah, I. You know, if he if he's if he's writing it out for the financial benefit, I can't say that I can't blame, blame him. him. Yeah, can't blame. him. Yeah. Uh but if I was doing that, I think there'd be like a, a subtle nonverbal like wink as to like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tear this shit apart once my contract's through. Right. <laughs> and listeners, the reason why we know he's being paid by Amazon to do a lot of stuff is because uh, he has had interviews with all the actors. Uh, I think one of the directors of an episode and I'm like, yeah, he he's people will call him a shill. And I think that's kind of unfair. He's collecting a paycheck. Uh, and sometimes when you collect a paycheck, you're going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind to the client. I'm going to do all this stuff for, or for, for the client. But the thing that I have noticed is that he's not talking the show up. He's not making it like seem like, oh, it's so great. He's not saying that it's the greatest show he's ever seen. Um, and he has pointed out some of the stuff that he's, he's had slight issues with, or, you know, he's had, I should say slight, cause I don't really see him as slight, but, uh, he's had issues with. So uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing his actual final thoughts once that contract's over and right. uh, and everything. So we'll see. Uh, I think that much like the other YouTubers out there that were far, far worse in the fact that they were completely kissing Amazon's ass uh, when right. Amazon, when that Amazon money ran out and Amazon was no longer catering to them. Suddenly all the the actual opinions started coming out and going, yeah, this show's shit. This this isn't this isn't going to be as good as as I thought it would be, uh, so we'll we'll see. Sorry for spending so much time on it. It was just kind of one of those things. Like we we've been watching it for six episodes. Oh, yeah, we have a pretty really, good grasp as to what it is now. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't I don't understand how a tower is held up by one piece of rope. I mean, they they basically loosened all the stones and in, in this thing in in one single fucking day, and then they managed to take the entire tower down with with a single shot. Like <laughs> that's, that's some weird ass construction. That seems like that was a bad, that was, that was a bad design. <laughs> it's bad architecture. <laughs> if that's how you built it. Cool scene though. Yeah. Very cool. Cool scene to watch it all fall on top of all the orcs and everything like that. And when they fell and when it fell on top of the orcs, I'm like, they had to have lost like half their army. That was the first thing in my first thought in my head. Nope. It, it pretty much comes across that nobody died. And there then there was no, no forces on the outside of that place. Yeah. And then, uh, at least not pictured there. No. Um, and then the, uh, 
when the Numenor, you know, when Numenor land makes landfall, they're all riding as hard as they can to get to the town. I'm like, how do you guys know this town is in trouble? <laughs> the whole time I'm like, you guys are running like it's the equivalent of somebody just running to a war they don't know exists. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm not entirely certain of the uh the location and distance, but riding that hard would probably be exhausting as fuck. Probably. <laughs> probably yeah. <would> have died. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah, the other thing, listeners, is uh the People in the uh, that area, um, uh, the the area that will eventually become Mordor uh, or close to, are considered the people of the south. Mordor sits in the west of of Middle Earth. Uh, the areas that we see in Tolkien or any any of the Lord of the Rings are primarily concentrated in the north west um they're not in in the east like there's an entire area of lord of the rings that you are of of middle earth that we never see in lord of the rings there's an entire area in the south that we never see in the in the east it's just it's a vast fucking continent and the the main areas that they focus on are up in the northwest so when they keep saying the people of the south i'm like they're not in the south they're in the south of the northwest or in the west. Yeah. That's it. Like they're, they're not they're the not even southeast of that region. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like you guys are you got you guys are getting getting geography kind of fucking mixed up like when you keep saying that shit by by calling them the the people of the south. And for any of you out there that are actually saying that, "Oh no, no, they are the people of the south." No, go look at the map again. Look at the map of Middle-earth. You'll see there's an entire area of the continent that continues down farther south, and there's an entire area to the east that continues on. You just never get to see it. So why are we calling these the people of the south? These aren't the southlands. Middle-earth isn't a country. It's a continent. It's it's not Middle-earth, you know, East-earth, South-earth. It's just Middle-earth. If it were the United States, you'd be calling Arizona the south. So the show just ignores the fact that these people aren't the actual people of the Southlands. They're just in the south of the northwest of Middle Earth. And then you have this guy who comes in and he's like, all right, we're going to we're going to make this guy king. This is the guy we've been promised. He's king. And I was like, yep, totally not Sauron. <laughs> yeah, like everybody knows who this guy is. This guy's going to end up being Sauron. That's it. And he's going to get Gladriel to. You know, want to make whoopee. And uh, she's going to get really mad that he betrayed her and she fell in love with Sauron, the man who's responsible for killing her brother. Blah, 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 blah. Now I'm just starting to you know sound like Greta Thornburg. It's just paint by numbers writing at this point. What goes with this? What goes with that? What goes with this? Pick a number, choose a color, paint it in. Listeners, I wouldn't waste my time on it, but I want to move on to stuff that is exciting and that we're really looking forward to and that we want to do, you know, we want to watch and play. So let's move on to something that's even more exciting for me is the fact that Deadpool 3 was pretty much announced. They talked about the fact that they're, you know, they're going to be making the movie. It is absolutely going to be part of the MCU. And uh, Ryan Riddles sat there and, you know, t- sat on the couch and said, you know, Hey, you know, we're, we're working on it and, you know, we're, we're going to be getting it together. And then uh, Hugh Jackman was living in his house for some reason. And 
walked behind him and he said, Hey, Hugh, do you want to be Wolverine again? And uh, he said, sure, Ryan. And I lost my shit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was, it is listeners. It is impossible for me not to be excited about this. Uh, Hugh Jackman, dude, that guy carried a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. His back must be exhausted. Knowing what Hugh Jackman is capable of. Good God, and, and I'm saying that without knowing anything about it or, or anything like that. No. After seeing his capabilities, chops, he is Wolverine to a T. So, getting these two together, oh, man, I cannot wait. It's going to be badass. Yeah, definitely have uh, pretty high expectations for it. And I'm hoping, uh, God, please don't do this to me, Ryan. I am really hoping it doesn't do the, like, my brain just goes, what if he's only in it for like five minutes? <laughs> It'll still be right. the best five minutes I've experienced in, in X-Men for a while. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so good. Um, and, it's, uh, and it's nice that, you know, they acknowledge that they're not going to mess with Logan. Like that's its own thing. Yeah, you know? I was like, that's that's great because it was. That's a solid movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a solid movie. It's a good send off, and you know, it was a sad send off, but it was yeah. a good send off. Uh, I and you know, he joked about not having any idea what the hell he was doing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I still think you should just go with the the end credits of Deadpool fixing the fucking timeline. Yeah. And that's that's canon. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. Deadpool <laughs> fix, fixes the timeline. Like, here's the thing, listeners. You could easily do this and turn it into an entirely new franchise of films with Deadpool. Of uh, Deadpool kills the MCU. Right. You know, I'm actually <laughs> down if they decide to do the whole X-Force thing, as long as they keep the same actor being Colossus and mm, part of the team. Yeah. I'm, I'm game. Yeah. The uh, just because like. Don't have to follow X Force to a T, but basically the team captains are Wolverine and Deadpool with their two different points of view. That would be fun as fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Deadpool as a captain is usually a bad idea. Uh, but he was great in Deadpool. Too. <laughs> Half the team died yeah. in like five minutes. <laughs> totally worked out. Uh, thanks to Domino. Brad um, <laughs> that's about the same. Brad Pitt never saw that coming. <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, you know, that that was just a great announcement. I fucking loved it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm really stoked for it. Looking forward to an actual trailer coming out in the future. Uh their second their their second follow-up trailer of like the timeline thing was hysterical and establishing the fact like they started out, you know, establishing like Miles said, Logan's re- like Logan hat Logan happened and stuff like that. But then they, they go into this complete bullshit like where they're not actually saying anything and they're playing wham, I died laughing. Um yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, listeners, it, I hope Domino was back in it, too. Yeah, she actually was a really good character. She was funny. Uh, the whole like luck, luck is a, is a superpower is hysterical. 
that interaction between her and Deadpool was, was awesome. I'm hoping cable comes back. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just, it, it'd be, it, it's be a real shame to, uh, lose some of those characters and I'd like to see them continue to well, make shoot. these. Uh, Ryan, look at Deadpool two. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to give kudos to Deadpool two real quick. They actually did a X-Men villain justice with juggernaut. Oh yeah. 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 Juggernaut was actually juggernaut yeah. for a fucking change instead of, you know, instead of the, the dumb Vinny Jones. Yeah. yeah. No offense to Vinny Jones. I know you were going with whatever they were giving you. But that was a terribly, terribly written character. Bad movie overall. X Men Three is terrible. So I would, <laughs> I would like to see this movie, and then probably like doing like Mister Sinister as the villain with Deadpool Three. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know if they're, I don't know what they're gonna do because uh, you have the, um, I can't remember the story. I can't remember which 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 one it was, but you have the the instance where Wolverine or basically Deadpool had to had to fight like just a shit ton of Wolverines. Um, so who knows? Maybe they they'll be going into the uh, the other X uh, projects. Uh, the the no, clones, Omega Red. No, uh, just the clones of Wolverine. Oh yeah, the uh, the Weapon X reject clones. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, who knows? Before they were able to uh, master creating a X twenty three. Yep. Trying to think of uh, the other stuff that can't the other stuff that was uh, mentioned this week. Anderson, what do you got? All right, we could talk about the uh, the shenanigans that is the hacking of Grand Theft Auto. 6. Oh yeah. So listeners, just to warn you, this is probably going to be you know <laughs> I'm, I'm warning you an hour in. Uh, we're going to be uh, it's going <laughs> to probably be a long one. Uh, but yeah, the Grand Theft Auto hack. Um, yeah, so a it's not been explained how he did it yet, but or even absolutely proven that he did so allegedly a hacker who is about 17 years old in the UK uh, managed to get into the grant or the servers for rockstar and uh, more than likely uh, probably using some social engineering to do so, but got his hands on a whole bunch of clips uh, over 90. Uh, I think uh, it was like, uh, was it 98 uh, videos that were shared? Um, it was, he, he, uh, managed to, to leak, uh, over 90 videos of early grand theft auto six, uh, footage. And for, for the beginning of this, I should say the community kind of rejoiced and went, yay, we're, they're, they're working on it. We're seeing some progress. We're seeing what it looks like, uh, with the caveat of majority of people knowing that it is, uh, it's alpha footage. It's, it's early builds. It's all stuff that's, that's still in the works. And, uh, I did have to laugh at Cliff Blazinski who, who basically was like, you know, spat it off. Like anybody saying that this is terrible. Doesn't know shit, you know, doesn't know shit about it. Dude, people are going to say shit regardless of, of what stage a game's in. So, you know, calm your shit. Okay. Keep it down. Uh, fans are going to be fans. People who are passionate about any project are going to have find, find some kind of gripe with anything if it doesn't match up to the standards or the expectations that they had doesn't matter what stage of the game's in it's going to happen it's usually considered constructive criticism as to what they're seeing currently in early development and you spout it off like it's early development well okay it's early development but if you don't fix it now then it's going to be a problem later right so calm your shit 
Yeah, take it for the free QA that it is. Yeah. But for the majority, fans rejoice. They're like, oh man, this guy's a fucking, you know, he he's a fucking hero for the community. He's showing off uh, uh showing off the game. And uh you know, for Part of me agrees with that. The other part of me is like, well, you're also seeing an early, early build and you don't know if this is where the game's going to actually end up. You don't know if these are the two main characters are going to stick with. They could turn around and say fucking development had to restart. Right. And then that almost became a case because he talked about the, uh, the hacker supposedly had taken assets from Grand Theft Auto 6 and that includes source code um, as well as source code for Grand Theft Auto 5. So that is a... Uh, and that's bad listeners. That's bad security wise for the game. That's bad for the rest of us because of hacking. Uh, it's just an overall bad deal. And it could lead, it could have led to them having to restart development on a game that they had already been working on. And uh, given how long we've waited for grand theft auto six at this point and how long it took for them to actually get into develop, development, you'd be looking at an even longer wait for the next one. So, that quickly becomes, oh, well, you're no longer a hero. You're actually a piece of shit. Because what are you going to do with the source code? Oh, well, he immediately tried to. Sh- I, I shouldn't say he, because listeners, this is all allegedly him, the person who's been accused of doing this. We don't know if, you know, we don't know absolutely that it was him, but he's been, you know, connected in the past with other hacks that took place in a similar, a similar fashion of using information that they get to extort money or try to extort money. And, uh, and the last time this happened in the UK, he was, uh, you know, basically put on probation and, you know, Oh, they took his computer away for a month. Yeah. That seems like a fitting punishment for somebody who completely broke the law, uh, hacked into an organization like Uber and, uh, then tried to get money from it. And uh, also used it for clout in the hacking community. Totally not a bad actor at all. And you guys should just completely take it easy on him because he's a fucking child. Oh, wait, he's 16 years old. Hmm. That seems like somebody who's old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. I've seen uh, some some reports that say that uh, uh, there's belief that he's just a fall guy for a hacker group. Yeah, and that's a possibility. Uh, like, yeah, the first, possible, the, the first one, young. I should say, the, but it, the first one that I'm talking about where that person was, you know, taking their computers taken away for a month, uh, that was based off of legitimate evidence, supposedly. So that, that's, that's why they gave him a month off of probation or a month of probation without his computer. Okay, well, if he did it again... And he actually did do this. If he actually did do this, listeners, that means was the punishment harsh enough for him to stop doing it? No. If he's just the fall guy, is there any way of him proving his own his own innocence? Well, I mean, if he's if he's legitimately a fall guy, it's not going to be much of a much of a fight to prove his innocence. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So do you like, here's the thing. Do you, as, as a fall guy, do you, if, if you can't prove it, you still have to judge him based off the evidence at hand. Right. Right. So should the punishments be harder for things on this or harsher on things like this in order to detour people from doing it? Well, I think punishments should be fucking harder on just about everything. I agree except for, you know, 
making Nazi jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you UK took that a little too far. Basically, like what's what's been going on is like supposedly there are messages and stuff him trying to extort money from Rockstar uh, or anyone else who wants to get the source code for GTA Six. I don't know how much of that is true, how much isn't. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, extra information being shared by Rockstar as to what's been going on with that. Um, there are people who have been getting inside information for like Legacy Killer, who has been talking to people he, that he knows from Rockstar. Uh, so if you want to get uh, more information from that, I suggest you go and take a look at his channel. He covers it pretty well. And of course, listeners, a lot of this information has changed since we've even done this recording, I'm sure. So uh, definitely go and check out some of the latest news um, online. I'm sure there have been plenty of people who have been covering it. But uh, when that whole thing happened, people went from like, yay, rejoice to, oh shit, this could be really bad for us. I'm hoping for the best with with GTA 6. Well, from what I saw, I, even for Alpha Code, it looks like it's going to be entertaining. It looks like it's, it's, a, it's a cool idea. The whole possible Bonnie and Clyde aspect to it. The uh, main character, the main female character is thick and i like it um if it's a, if it's a co-op campaign i will absolutely play as her every single time um she's got a booty i, I enjoy it not gonna lie digital or not it's there it's in third person i get to look at it i'm in you know i was actually uh that was actually quite interesting because with the five, you know, you got the three different characters that you switch between. But, you know, in this series, we haven't really got a Bonnie and Clyde story. Yeah, I, I think it'd be kind of entertaining. Like I said, if the if if the game is co-op, that'd be fucking awesome. I don't think it will be listeners. I think it will be absolutely single player. I think you'll be switching between the characters, much like you got in GTA three. I said three GTA five with the three characters. That's where my brain was at. Sorry about that. Um but yeah, I think it'll be kind of in that same kind of vein. You just switch between the two characters. Um, could be a good idea. I'm hope you know. I'm hoping that the humor is still good and that the uh, the the aspects that we look for in GTA games, the sarcasm mixed with uh, you know mixed mixed with serious like seriousness mixed with sarcastic humor and uh, commentary on society as a whole is in the game. It, you know, it's still a little concerning to hear that they're cons- that they're worried about the writing and saying that they're not going to be punching down. It depends on what you think is punching down. Uh, I mean, in reality, all humor is really punching down. If you're making a commentary of, or a social commentary on anything in society, uh, you're making fun of things uh, that you, that you see in society that, that seem ridiculous. Well, you're, it, that could be considered by other people as punching down. So if you're so concerned with not offending anyone, then you're going to have to remove sarcasm entirely. So we'll see how far they take that. And uh, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, we saw what they did with saints. So we'll see. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole other thing. You had the saints row. Uh, I can their social media uh, manager decided to essentially put, you know, stick their neck out, their neck out when somebody basically called out the fact that the C is the COO or CEO of um, Embracer group didn't expect uh, uh, Saints Row to uh, perform as poorly as it did. And one guy in a tweet basically said the same thing we were all thinking, really? 
Like, how could you not know? Like you you saw the fan backlash. You saw people downvoting it in YouTube and like they, they were letting their voices be heard, uh, like uh, known of like that. That's a big clue of like your demographic is telling you this is the wrong way to go. Steer the ship. The other direction. Yeah, away from the ice and. Cream. And that's the whole thing, like I understand that I like Bronx try to make the, the argument of, well, how do you know if it's going to work or not if you don't try it? Well, there are certain things that tell you it's not going to work if you, if you don't try it. Uh, I know that sticking hot sauce in my monster energy drink is not going to be tasteful and it's not going to work and I'm not going to enjoy it. So why would I try it? You haven't eaten shit. You know, it's not going to be good. Why would you try it? And let's just, I understand the argument that he's trying to make. The thing that he's trying to express is that there are sometimes you have lightning in a bottle. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and it's because of something unique that you did in order to catch a new crowd. But here's the thing that almost always applies to only new IPs. Why? Because they don't have a target audience yet. The target audience isn't a established fan base. So why would you as a company go after your target market, knowing that what your target market is, knowing what your demographic it is, er, is knowing your fan base, knowing the fan base that has loved your franchise. Why would you turn around and do something completely different? That's not a progression of the same series. You create a game that's one, not only just a, a batshit crazy mess with bugs, but you also turn around and change your game's entire premise, which is being a commentary and satire of one society in itself, and two, a gaming series that already existed. So once you stop doing that, you've lost the identity of what your game was. And that's what they did. They just lost the identity of what Saints Row was supposed to be and what it was always meant to be for their gaming audience. So, of course, the fans were like, well, this doesn't look like Saints Row. This looks like something else. So if you wanted to do something else and change up everything, appeal to a different audience or make something new for a different or for a different kind of gamer to bring in new fans. Why didn't you make something new? Why didn't you make a different IP? Instead of sticking to Saints Row. Because it came with a baked in audience. Volition wanted this audience to come over from their old franchise and be like, yay, we're, we're back. We're back with the Saints Row and people to be like, yes, we're heralding it. This is going to be awesome. But they also wanted to make sure that they didn't alienate any of the new audience that they were trying to appeal to. So instead, they alienated the old audience that was buying their games. That no longer categorizes this in a you don't know if it'll work until you try it issue. It's a you knew it wasn't going to work. Why did you try it? We're not talking about taking something that people love and people and something else that people love and putting your hands together. It's not peanut butter and jelly and then mash them together. It's not chocolate and peanut butter, mash them together. This isn't a combination of flavors to create a better flavor. This is a combination of we have something old. We're going to mesh it up with something new that we know the majority of our audience doesn't care for. And we're going to insert it in there regardless of what they think. And on top of that, you gave them a buggy game, which is just a fucking insult. But listeners, if you want to know what I think they should have actually taken in uh, order to combine uh, a new game together, instead of taking something new and something old and forcing the new thing, the new ideology into the old, 
uh, take something old and something old, two different flavors, you could say, and combine them together into something that people would truly enjoy by just simply looking to the inspiration for why Saints Row was made in the first place, which is you look to Rockstar, Volition. You look to Rockstar and you go, hey, you know what? They have another franchise that's doing really well that I think would be hysterical for us to make a satire of using the Saints. And it would be just as simple as looking to Red Dead Redemption and creating a Saints Row in the Old West and making a satire of how ridiculous the Old West used to be. Anyways, that's that's kind of where this went with with Saints Row, the fact of like they just kind of kept ignoring their demographic, their main demographic. If you're making something that you're going to try and sell to the public, you want to try and attract as many people to that product as possible. Saints Row knew this from the beginning of the fact that, hey, we're we're going to try and attract the GTA people who can't get a GTA game right now. That's what we're going to go for. It's going to be a satire on GTA, which is already a satire in large part of society. Let's make that game. Bat shit crazy. Personally, I wasn't a fan, but there were tons of people who enjoyed it and it picked up a fan base. It eventually became a franchise that had a good fan base. Hell, they made four fucking games for it. Actually, five, right? Got Out of Hell is, is, is a fifth one. It's yeah, just it's a, a side one. Sorry. So, yeah, five. Uh, and, it, and it did well. And then you, you completely ignore fans when you ignored, they ignored fans when they made the follow-up to Saints Row, which was the uh, Agents of Agents Mayhem. Of Mayhem. Fucking yeah, terrible. it's just a mayhem. Terrible game. Uh, it looked terrible to me, listeners, from the beginning, and it was, and it failed. And it wasn't simply a story where they just tried to do something new and exciting with a new IP. It was where they tried to take an old IP and said, "Oh, this takes place in the Saints World universe." Okay, so what is it? Oh, well, it's just like all the other shooters, third-person shooters or first-person shooters that have been coming out that are competitive and are trying to, you know go with loot boxes and bullshit like that. It wanted to be another Overwatch. It wanted to be another Paragon. It wanted to be like these other games that were already out because they saw the the success of those and were like, oh, we can mimic that too. But the need had already been filled for that. So why did they do it anyways? All they had to do is look at the market and go, what other need can we fill? What is a game kind of series or franchise type, type series that people aren't getting right now that we can create? that we can fill that void for them. That's how Saints Row became successful in the first place. Because they saw the need that was not being fulfilled by the direct company that would have made it originally. And they went, oh, we can do that. And ours will be stupid and fun and people will enjoy it. But instead, they looked at the industry around them and went, oh, this is trendy. Let's do that. And we'll just slap it onto our old franchise. Kind of like what they're doing now. Oh, this is a trendy thing within the industry. Let's take this and strap it onto this. But fans weren't impressed. They knew it was part of Saints Row, but they still weren't impressed. So when they heard that they were coming back with Saints Row, they're like, oh, yeah. We hear it's being done by Volition again, so I'm going to buy it. It's going to be great because it's a Saints Row game. Nope, turned out it was bad. Just like Agents of Mayhem. It was bad. I thought it was going to be bad before it came out. I thought the Saints Row was going to be bad before it came out. You don't have to have a master's degree in marketing in order to understand the numbers. When you see fans going, no, 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 this looks bad. It's not a situation of, oh, well, wait until you try it. 
if they're not going to buy it, then they never try it. If you can't make it appealing to begin with by making people see it and go, man, that looks like a lot of fun. Man, this looks great. This is going to be a blast. If you can't get people to see that, then you failed. Everything from that trailer, the moment I saw it, and I'm not a Saints Row fan, listeners, keep that in mind. I'm not a Saints Row fan. And I saw that and went, that's not what your demographic wants. That is not a Saints Row game. That's not what your demographic is going to want. And there, it's going to, it's not going to pay off well. And YouTube reflected that with the numbers. And somebody tried to point that out and say, you know, how did you guys not see this? Look at the like and dislike ratio. Well, this media manager decided that, oh, uh, well, that's not reflective of what's actually happening. That wasn't in the analytics of YouTube. And the guy's like, uh, I, I literally have a, he literally has the plugin for Google that shows that brings back the dislikes ratio. It just shows you what the dislikes are. That's all it does. And people say, oh, it's not accurate. It's pretty fucking accurate. <laughs> uh, but according to this person's staff uh, on Twitter, oh, that's not accurate at all. And then they started a, a fight over this. I should say an argument on you uh, on uh, on Twitter over whether or not that was accurate. And the guy came back and just said scoreboard or basically said scoreboard, prove me wrong. Like show me that you're that, that the analytics, the analytics that you, you say you have access to prove it, prove to me that this is incorrect. Just pull up a screenshot of the analytics. Show me the dislike ratio. Show me the like and dislike ratio. Tell me that that which, which one's the actual one so that I know. It's that whole thing of listeners, like when, when any of the guys and I have an argument, if the guys can prove me wrong, guys, do is there any point where I actually won't admit when I'm wrong? No. I mean, I have to try like, pretty hard to convince you now. sometimes, but I mean. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Miles, <laughs> Miles does have sometimes uh, have a hard time to convince me, but usually it does get through and I go, all right, well, I, you know, I can see what you're talking about and, well, you know, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's the thing is like, if you can, if you can blatantly state, state a fact, and, and I can, if I, if I give like a, a false information or anything like that, or even if I don't knowingly do it and I'm given a fact afterwards that proves me wrong in my initial assumptions and in my initial, uh, you know, what, what my initial findings are, I will openly say I was wrong. I've done it on the podcast listeners. That's what a person with any kind of accountability does. And that's what this guy was at looking for. He's like, prove me wrong. Just show, show me that I'm wrong. And they wouldn't do it. And then instead they decided to go on to, uh, I believe it was Instagram and rant about how toxic the fans are because of this. And this is the thing that I want to, I want to point out. This goes back to what Henry Cavill said uh, a while back. And I'll, I'll put the actual clip in the podcast where he pointed out the fact that he doesn't like the idea of calling fans toxic. There's something really interesting with this character that I find fascinating, which is that he genuinely really does just want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But everywhere he goes, whether it's a new town or a new bar, people just kind of give him a hard time and they rag on him despite the fact that he has great intentions. I'm curious if that's comparable to this sort of world, this culture of toxic fandom, where like if you make a movie, especially if you make a superhero movie, like you have great intentions, but there are always going to be a small yet vocal group of people there can kind of just be toxic. I understand what you're saying, but when it comes to fans, it is a fan's right mm -hmm. to have whatever opinion they want to have. And people are going to be upset because especially when it, you're talking about books or games, because you're never going to be the exact person who they had in their head or who they played on 
Witcher 3, for example. I don't necessarily consider that toxic. I just consider that passionate. While I have said in the past that, you know, there are toxic fans, I've even made that statement before he ever made that, he ever made that comment of that there are tons of toxic fans. I've called Star Wars fans toxic in the past. And that's something that I've come to realize that I'm kind of wrong about. While there are toxic people out there that just hate fucking everything, and I think that there's a lot of negativity out there in the world, a lot of that negativity comes from being passionate about something. And listeners, some of you might be listening to this and going, well, that's rich coming from him. He's negative all the time. I don't want to be. I don't want to be negative. I absolutely hate the fact that I have to be negative about so many fucking things. I used to love a lot of this stuff. It's the, the stuff that I'm noticing, the stuff that I've seen the industry do, the stuff that I've seen what's happening in the industries that I love have turned me into a much more negative person. I've always been opinionated and I've always been able to point out the problems and things that's been true for my entire life. But I have absolutely just hate the fact that I have to be so negative about stuff because I'm always waiting for, okay, well, that's cool, but how are they going to fuck it up? And that's the problem. That's the thing that's always in the back of my mind. Well, how are they going to fuck it up? And especially when you have the industries that you love harping on the fact of, oh, it's for a new audience. When I hear it's for a new audience, and I'm, yes, I'm using quotes, listeners. The first thing I think of is, oh, it's not for you. Hey, you're a fan. It's not for you. So now that I'm in that place, now that I understand why those who are so passionate about all these projects and stuff get so pissed off, I get it. I know why they get mad instantly. I know why they don't like Star Wars. I know why some people don't like the MCU. I understand that completely. There are certain things that I can find that I enjoy in this world, though. Sometimes I'm completely surprised and shocked after a movie's been sitting there on, you know, Hollywood Insider or something like that, telling people, oh, well, we wanted to make sure that we gave this a female voice or we gave this representation. As soon as they say they want to give something representation, I go, I, I kind of tune out and go, well, then it's probably just going to be woke garbage. But then you get something like Prey and you go, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad. It had some problems with the story plot. There's some certain things I would have done better, in my opinion, with the story itself. But overall, it wasn't a bad movie. And it was shocking as hell. It was a refreshing take from a film franchise that I hadn't seen in a while. So try to place yourself in that kind of position of having a love for something that you're watching crumble or die and going... This is wrong. I don't want this to happen this way. And while if you're if you're an outlier and you're the only one, well, then I hate to tell you this, but the rest of the fan base disagrees. Right. Yeah. You so you're, you're you might be <laughs> the issue. Uh, and I've had that moment of like, well, I don't like this. Well, other people do. Well, OK, well, that sucks for me. It's too bad for me. I, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Right. Uh, I'm in that way with with Star Wars listeners. I, I've called off Star Wars. I'm pretty much called off all of the MCU, although I will see Deadpool 3 instantaneously, and I probably will see Guardians of the Galaxy because I want to see that. But slowly, other people are kind of joining my camp of, and I'm not saying like hating the MCU overall, just realizing that there's not a whole lot of substance here anymore. Just being done with it. Yeah, we're kind of done. And it's not superhero fatigue or anything like that. It's just realizing that, Oh, they're, they don't know where to go. They don't know what they're doing with the story. I'm just going to leave. I'll come back when you have something good. Yeah. Party's but over. Until then I'm out. <laughs> yeah. But until then I'm out. Uh, I'll come back when there's a new party and it's a, and it's a good one, but, uh, but I'm not going to stay here the whole time while we try to clean this mess up. Look, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm just going to leave. That's what fans kind of do. We, we call out the bullshit. We get upset at stuff and we, it might be emotional, but a lot of it is based also in logical and logic of what we know about a franchise, what we know about 
uh, anything that is in the fandom of that's not how that would go. That's not what would happen. Is it toxic? It is to somebody who's a fucking baby who can't take negativity in any kind of way and goes, oh, I can't, I can't accept this. Well, if I can sit there and say, well, fuck you. And here's why, if I can give you the explanation as to why, why is that toxic? If I can explain my reasoning as to why I don't like this, because that's criticism and criticism has now been seen as anything that's criticism is toxic and anything, any, any kind of toxic fan feedback, that's cancel culture. And that's where we're at now of, oh, that's cancel culture because it's toxic. It's, it's toxic because it's criticism. Like, do you see how that, like how that kind of goes? It's fucking ridiculous. You you can be critical of something without going out and campaigning for people's jobs and for, for boycotts and everything else. Yeah. Listeners, we do it all the time. You do this every day when you don't buy something, when you decide, ah, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to buy it. That's the same thing. The difference is, is that one, we're audible about it. We just say that's trash and we call it out. We basically explain to you that's not going to do well and explain why. And then when it doesn't do well, well, everybody's fucking shocked some somehow. It's it's a fucking news flash to them and nobody fucking understands why. But the only people who do understand are the fans in the first place who tried to tell you that's not going to do well by telling you I'm not going to play this. This looks like garbage. And you might be sitting there going, well, that's toxic to say that. Is it? Is it toxic to say you you think something's garbage and you're not going to like it because of that, that you're not going to buy it because of that? That's not cancel culture. Cancel culture is an irrational movement because you say that somebody is doing something when it has when it, when they're not, especially like look at JK Rowling. She's called a fucking turf for no fucking reason other than the fact that she stood up for women's rights. She didn't say people shouldn't be trans. She didn't say people who are trans don't belong in society. What she said is that women should have safe spaces without interference. Oh, no. She's no longer an ally. Let's make sure she no longer can sell her books and she shouldn't be allowed to talk on Twitter. And yet people want to put that on the same scale as, oh, well, when somebody says that, oh, well, that doesn't look very good. I'm a huge fan of this franchise. That looks like shit. I'm not going to play it or I'm not going to watch it. And I suggest anybody else as a fan doesn't does the same thing. Send the studio a message by not giving them your money. Apparently that is on the same scale as what I just told you with what happened with JK Rowling. What? Whatever happened to voting with your wallet? I'm telling the company, I don't want your, your, your crap. So I'm not going to pay for it. Only now we're able to tell you before the product ever even comes out that we're not going to buy it. Now I get it. Twitter numbers probably aren't, you know, relative to the actual public. But when you're seeing things on YouTube, which is far more accessible than Twitter and is filled with far less lunacy than Twitter, and all you have to do is just give them an upvote or a downvote, that's marketing gold. You're getting direct statistics from the people that you want to sell to on whether or not you're going to be able to sell your product. So why are we treating that like that's cancel culture? That's toxic. If those are the people not buying your game, that's a problem. So instead of saying, hey, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. We're actually going to take this to heart and maybe rework what we've been doing, or we're going to try and show you stuff as to what we're trying to do and try to sway you and win you over. Instead, what you get back from these companies is, oh, you're just toxic. You're evil. You're the problem. Scoreboard, motherfucker. Look at the sales. Look at your sales from now and previous titles. Are you selling more in previous titles? Yes. Is everyone else selling more games because they're not doing what you're doing? Yes. 
So what's the problem here? Is it me or is it you? It seems like a you issue. Something that would be toxic would be like me telling everyone to not buy a from software game because irrationally, I think that they have a problem with women. What? Where are you getting this? There's an article, by the way, by Polygon listeners. Oh my God. It's just, it's insane. Anyways, or, or telling people, Hey, you should boycott the game until they put an easy mode in there for the rest of us. Well, their fans don't care about the easy mode. Why, sh- why the fuck would I be asking them to boycott the game just to get, just to placate for me from software is well aware as to how many games they're going to sell on average when they make their games. They're well aware that they're closing off entire groups of people just by not including an easy mode. They know it when they're doing it. They still do it anyways, because they know their fans and the fans that they want to retain. Okay. That's their choice to make. If it someday bites him in the ass, it someday bites him in the ass. But so far, it's working out pretty damn well for him. That would be an irrational cancellation. Does it still stop people from saying, you know what? I don't fucking like your game because it's too hard. Nope. Is that an irrational cancellation? Is that toxic? Nope. That is an individual stating their own opinion about a situation that they don't agree with. You get enough of those individuals and suddenly now you have a larger voice. And that's what's happening right now with fandom. And that's why anytime I hear a company that say, oh, we're trying to appeal to a new audience. All I can hear in the back of my head is Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Uh, It didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done and and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. They just want to get it out the door. They don't care about any consequences. They just think that they're going to make a shit ton of money and that's it. Yeah. So Steph comes back and does this stuff and then goes on a rant on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and people start calling, calling Steph out on bullshit. They're like, you're, 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 you're basically calling these people out and you're not proving, you're not proving them wrong. Are you doing is just having, you're having an illogical reaction without giving a, a logical response. You're not explaining why. You're just saying, I have access to the analytics. Okay, show me the analytics. Show me the proof. It's like somebody sitting there saying, I have access to a textbook, but I'm not going to prove it by opening up the textbook and showing you why you're wrong. I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. I'm supposed to believe you based off of just solely your word. No other proof, no other reasoning. Just whatever you say goes. Not doing any research not showing me any fact just based off of your word. That's the very definition of how people see of, oh, well, this is my truth versus what's actually fact. Your truth is not fact. Facts are truths. Gravity is a constant. The earth is not flat. Math is is round. (laughs) Math is fucking math. Two plus two equals four. So why, why is it that the argument has come back of, well, I have access to this, so therefore I'm right. What? 
that would be like me getting into an argument with with Bronx or Brandon. And these are these are two people who I consider very knowledgeable human beings, especially when it comes to cars and me arguing with them or even my old friend, Jeff, who is I like he's a car nut. That'd be like me getting into an argument with them about, let's say, a, a Rex, all of which they've owned <laughs> and or own and have worked on and have built on like they, they've they've done their own modifications for these are people who I, who I would go to for knowledge. This would be like me arguing with them about it and saying, well, I own the car. Not being knowledgeable about it, not looking things up, not actually educating myself on something and then being able to have an intellectual conversation or disagreement with them. No, just saying, well, I own the car, so therefore I'm smarter. Without any without any anything to back up what I'm saying, just I own the car and this is how I feel. That's my proof. That that is a dumb argument. That's not even a winning argument. That's just, I I have access to the analytics. Congratulations. Show me. Show me what you're talking about. Prove me wrong. Something's happened with people in their brains that like in this, in this world of like, we've, we've lost all, all accountability. We've lost the ability to critically think we've lost the ability to show actual proof and facts and back up. Anything that we say. Oh, remember, critical thinking is racist. Yeah, I forgot about that. Listeners, if you don't know what he's referring to, that was an article that was actually done by the New York Times that basically tried to convince people that if you continue to do research and look into things and use critical thinking, all you're doing is promoting misinformation. That's right. The very thing that allows you to question the world around you is apparently bad for you. Somebody should have told Galileo. Uh, and I believe the Washington Post backed this up with another uh, opinion piece um, that like critical thinking is ago. is racist and it's Somewhere. it's bad. It's it's not good for you to to critically think. You shouldn't question anything in the world around you. I mean, we're we're creating generations of people who don't think and can't think for themselves. Just to, like that stuff, that kind of stuff is depressing for me. Yeah. Like. Just knowing that human beings are being actively encouraged not to think. Don't seek out differing opinions. Don't look into things too much. Don't try to form your own opinions based off of other things that you observe. That's fucking sad. But you're supposed to accept anything else as fact from another human being without any proof. What? You're supposed to accept and be grateful for anything that's provided you by the government or anything that's provided you by these corporations. Why? Because they're wanting you to suck at their teat and they think that you should, you should be worshiping these people. You know, it's Oliver twist saying, please, sir, can I have some more? And they look at you like more, you should be grateful for what you have. And then slap you across the face. How dare you not thank me? Mark Twain, man. Easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. Yeah, it's uh, it's just fucking infuriating. Sometimes alcoholics get so, it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the so Steph got called out for it, and you know they she stuck. I I'm assuming it's just her. I I apologize if it's not. Uh, just because the the profile picture sh- uh, looked like it showed a woman and a man, so I don't know if uh, and, and I believe they're from another country, so. I, I could be mis, you know, misgendering them based off of the fact that I don't know which one is actually the owner of the profile. 
And yes, listeners, I will misgender you based off of the fact that if you look like a man, you are a man to me. And if you look like a woman, you are a woman to me. Sorry, not sorry. Until otherwise convinced. <laughs> it's not phobic. It's just how everybody observes the world. But anyways, they, they stuck to their guns, stuck their guns and just kept kept with it and then got people to agree with them. And one of the most ridiculous fucking statements I saw on the, uh, the feedback from from this whole you know ordeal was, uh, I had people tell me that I was no longer a Saint a Saints Row fan, and that I was never really a Saints Row fan, even though I owned all of the games and I liked this one. And because I liked it, people said I wasn't a fan. You are a fucking snowflake. Do you know how many times I have been told I am not a Halo fan because I did because I liked Halo Four when Halo Four came out? I was. I was fucking just lambasted with with comments like that from people that I even fucking knew telling me I wasn't a Halo fan. I I'd, I'd played the game, the fucking franchise since Halo one. I've played it for 20 years, over 20 years now. And I'm not a Halo fan because of <laughs> Halo four. Do you think I do you think I gave a shit what they thought? No, I didn't give a shit. Why? It was my own opinion. No, I, I liked Halo four. I thought I. I openly tell people when it comes to Halo that ODST and Reach are my favorites and they don't have Master Chief in them. <laughs> right. And and what's funny is uh, is I in in <laughs> when Miles told me Reach was one of his favorites and I went, "What?" And he like this is the converse this is literally a conversation we've had listeners. Cool. Like we're friends, we're on the same podcast together. We've we we love having having talks and debates and stuff like that. But he told me he told me when when he told me Reach was one of his favorites, and he said it's because Master Chief isn't the, isn't the main <laughs> character. I looked at him and went, "Are you fucking crazy?" I was like, "I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why do you like?" It? He he gave, but he gave me his explanation, and I was like, "Okay, I can get that. I can understand it." Uh, I'm a fan of really mostly Master Chief, and it's primarily because of the not just the games but the books. So you get a lot of uh, backstory, especially with with Fall of Reach with Master Chief, which is what I wished for from Halo Reach. Although I am I am uh, happy with the story they presented. It's a, it is actually very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like pe- people got people got fucking bagged on because they liked Halo Reach more than they liked the other Halos. The people got bagged on because they didn't. They're you know you get you get fucking. I mean, I, I, I have made, I have made the statement of, ah, you're not a real fan. Like it's, it's a insult of, of the lowest form of fuck you <laughs> because fuck you. Like that's it. Like you, you are passionate about a project. You're passionate about a franchise enough that you're going to tell another fan that they're not a fan. That's, that's literally the insult. And it's, and should that other fan go, you know, go, Oh, you're right. No. Of course not. That's fucking stupid. Everybody has listeners. Everyone has done this. If you say you've yeah. never done this, I call bullshit. It's in the same vein <laughs> of people that go like, well, I was a fan of this band before they made it big. Like, right. Good before, for you. Before they became popular. <laughs> cool. Now that they're mainstream, it's awful for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's not, it's, it's not that different. So he, he turned around and this person was like, like I just, you know, I was so, uh, oh shit. What was the actual, what was the exact words I'm trying to remember? Um, they basically were getting across the fact that they were, they were depressed and didn't want to talk. didn't want to talk about the game. We're, weren't excited to talk about any of the games anymore because of the fact that somebody told him this. I'm like, God, dude, how much of how fucking weak 
is this gen- like how fucking weak are people? Twitter and Facebook have made people weak where another person states an opinion and suddenly, oh, it's the end of the fucking world. Yeah. Like I'm being bullied. They've hurt my feelings. God, no, the world does not fucking care about your feelings. That's pretty fucking evident every day that the world doesn't give a shit about how you feel. So why are you taking that so, so to heart? I'm sure there are other fans out there that actually enjoyed the new Saints Row. Fuck, Justin actually liked it. He said he enjoyed it. Cool. I, I jokingly made the statement, oh, then you're not, a, you know, I basically said you're not a Saints, a Saints Row fan, jokingly to him. And he laughed. I mean, he laughed it off. Do I actually think that about him? No. Do I care that he liked it? No. Is he the minority? Yes, absolutely. He's the minority within the fan base. So if you're the minority in the fan base, well, you're kind of alone in that. Sucks, but hey, that's just your opinion. Your opinion made you a loner. If the rest of the fan base loves it, then the rest of the fan base loves it. It's happened to me. They each their own. I, every, yeah, everybody has their own taste. Everybody has their own, like the things they like. If you like the MCU the way it is, great. If the majority doesn't, then you're not catering to your demographic. And that's basically what this argument came down to of you guys weren't catering to your demographic and you're surprised you failed. If I made a product that only catered to 5% of the population, which granted 5% of the population would be enormous and that'd be ridiculous, but I'm just trying to make a generalized, a, a generalized argument. If I were to make a product, my demographic was only 5% of the general population. But I could also make the pro I could make a product differently or the same product differently, and it would cater to 80%. Which one's the one I should go for? Right. If you say anything other than 80%, then you don't know how math works. I should be trying to get the largest demographic as possible. I should try and sell my product to as many people as I can. And that's what they should have done. But they sat there and said, oh, well, we have the Saints Row. Like, this was the thinking. I guarantee you, this is how, this is how their marketing team thought. With, I shouldn't say just their marketing team because the marketing team's not really fully responsible for what the divs do. I think this is what the divs thought without really consulting a marketing person uh, or even looking at demographics was the fact of like, oh, we already have the Saints Row crowd. People will just be glad to get a Saints Row from this current Saints Row fan. We should try and cater towards a new crowd to try and bring in new fans. That's what happens every time. And it's always the whole, it's always the same fucking thing. We're trying to appeal to a new audience. All that fans hear is you don't want me anymore. When you say shit like that, first of all, to any company, listen to this. You need to know this fans here. You don't want me anymore. Instead of wording of we, we are trying to make a game that will bring or that will appeal to all of our current fans and will be something that they can be proud of and they, they'll enjoy playing. And we're trying to make something that new fans can come in and enjoy themselves without having to know any of the, the previous things from the, from the previous games. That is a completely different uh, approach to how you do your, how you make your games. When you start including your current demographic and saying, okay, we want to make a game that they'll love, but we want to make a game that doesn't require everyone else to have the knowledge of everything else in a franchise. It'd be like making a new Halo. If you made a new Halo that didn't have Master Chief, you need to explain to your fans and be communi- like make sure you communicate with them of saying, this doesn't have Master Chief, but here's why. We're trying to make a Halo that you guys will enjoy playing that centers around a different character. 
that gives you a different adventure within the Halo universe, but while providing you the same gameplay and the same kind of story that you love and in-depth look at the Halo universe. While at the same time, looking at your new crowd and saying, we want to make a game for you as well, that you can come in without having to know everything about Master Chief's history in order to enjoy this universe. That you can just jump in and and get a new story and be able to to be able to talk with older fans about what's currently happening in the universe. And older fans can tell you, oh, this also you know, matches up with stuff that's happened before. That's, that's creating a dialogue. That's creating a community that can actually talk with each other. Now, I'm not going to say that there aren't going to be assholes because there's asshole in every fan base and somebody's going to go out there and be a troll regardless. So somebody's going to go on there and just, you know, fuck with people. But they're, the, they're just there to fuck with people. They're the, they're the people who are going to be unhappy with the product regardless. So you don't really need to worry about them. See, you don't need to worry about the people who are actually trolls versus the people who are just fans posting their concerns and their dislike for something that's been created. This goes directly out to the people who've been writing for She-Hulk. She-Hulk has lots of fans in the comic books. Lots of fans. There's a reason why the comic books have still been pretty successful. So going out of your way to piss off actual fans because you consider them trolls because they'll point out the inaccuracies compared to the comic books because that's the lore that they've known. All you did was start off making a show that proved all of those people right. You proved them all right the moment you started writing it specifically to piss them off. Like, how does that make any fucking sense? So instead, instead of making a good show and making something that's actually entertainment, like what we got for 20 fucking movies, you decided to write a show based off of solely, oh, we're going to troll the troll the fans. We're going to troll these people because they'll hate it and that'll make other people love it. No, all you did was piss off the fans and then you made a show that was unwatchable to everybody else. Congratulations, you played yourselves. Fucking idiots. Could have just made something good instead. Like Rarely have I seen a show that does such a self-own as this one. How do you guys not understand how this works? You make something good, all the trolls go away. Why? Because it doesn't matter when your ratings are this high. It doesn't matter when you're raking in money like crazy. It doesn't matter when everyone else loves it. But no, instead, you have to go with, well, we have to fight the trolls. Why? If there's not that many of them and you think so many people are going to enjoy your show, why even do it? Why even bother? Because the truth is, There are a lot of them and there are a lot of people going, yeah, you guys look like you're just not knowing where you're going or what you're doing. It seems like you're just coming up with complete bullshit, hoping that just because Marvel's tied to it, you're going to actually make some money. And that's exactly where phase four was. That's exactly where we're going with phase five, too. We have no real direction, just people flying by the seat of their pants. So who's actually the toxic ones here is the the ones not willing to listen to their fan base or the ones that are simply saying, hey, I don't like this. This looks bad. Uh, Could you please change it? And the only way I can get you to listen is by downvoting you. That's why we have review bombing now. Because the only way that the customer can get across, hey, I'm disappointed in you is by downvoting it and by review bombing it to get you guys to know, hey, this is the wrong direction. Turn the ship. But apparently you don't listen to us regardless, so what's the point, right? If you're not going to listen to us when we tell you, hey, don't do this, you're not going to listen to us when we downvote something, you're not going to listen to us when we review review bomb something, clearly the lesson hasn't been learned. So the only way to hurt you is with your wallet. 
And people are already doing that by not having subscriptions, by dropping their subscriptions, by not watching your shows. And then you sit there and wonder, oh, why did we fail? Is, do, do we need to continue to have this ridiculous fucking thought process of what is toxic and what is not? Or can we just accept the fact that one's criticism, you didn't accept the criticism because the, you didn't accept the criticism, you failed. Right. It's not a big surprise. I'm going to stop harping on it, but it's, it's something that has been bugging me for months now. And it's not just because of Saints Row, it's because of other things where I see things that are easily mitigated and easily solved simply by looking at the marketing and simply knowing how marketing works. And I don't know what happened to these larger corporations, but they have forgotten entirely how marketing works with demographics. You, you, you appeal to the audience that's going to give you the most money, to the audience that has most agency. That's how demographics work. If your demographic is primarily this group of people, that's the, that's the group you're going to try to appeal to the most. Why are you trying to alienate them in order to appeal to this group that has less of a chance of making you money? That doesn't make sense. Like there's one thing for trying to be all inclusive of everybody can like our product, but then there's the reality of actually most people in this group will like our product. Most people could use an Apple computer. Most people won't like an Apple computer, especially if you're a PC user and you've enjoyed using your PC for years and you know, Hey, I'm a gamer. Well, Macs aren't designed for that. Try telling somebody that after they buy a Mac. It reminds me of that Viva La Dirt League. Uh, yeah. skit where the guy comes in and says he's, he's a game, you know, he's looking for a, a great gaming PC and he's looking for a Mac. Uh, and they tell him to get the fuck out of the store. Fucking laugh every time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's that whole thought process of, well, you're not actually a, you're like, that's why people turn Well, you're not actually a gamer. If you're, if you're gaming on Mac and you're, you're not actually a PC gamer. And that's because I can, I can say that because the, your Mac isn't going to be able to play. 99% of games <laughs> that are available on PC. So uh, it's the, you know, it's that whole thing of like, well, you played solely on stadia. <laughs> That's the only thing you played on versus any, anything else, a console or something like that, that, that can Apple play Arcade. every other game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not playing the majority of games that are out there. So people are going to sit there and say, I, you're not an actual gamer. It doesn't matter that you think that you're an actual gamer because to that person, you're not. That, yeah, I'm the again, same it's way an with opinion. people that call themselves gamers <laughs> with cell phone games. Cell phones. Yeah. Like, sorry, no, not the same class. <laughs> yeah. where, where they consider themselves gamers, people who play on console and PC don't. That's something. That, yeah. I think that's something that universally console and PC gamers come together on of fuck you. <laughs> I play games <laughs> like on my mobile phone. <laughs> That is the instant for you. response. That's, that's <laughs> that is the instant response. I was like, just fuck you. You're not. <laughs> so, and, and, and <laughs> while that might be technically a rational response, it's backed up by look at how many games have been on PC and been on console for years. Look at how many games. Look at the kinds of games that are on cell phones. Quality disparity. <laughs> are, are they even close to the same? I mean, look at look at fucking diablo immortal god dude i don't know how you like if you're a phone gamer dude go and play a real diablo game please go and find somebody who has a pc borrow borrow a console something play diablo 3 play diablo 2 and realize that you are being shafted 
that game is designed specifically to milk money from you. Mm-hmm. You are nothing more than a whale to these people. And then maybe you might have a realization of majority of cell phone game or cell phone games are like this. And it's slowly leaking its way into and crawling its way into PC and, and consoles. And we are fighting desperately to stop that <laughs> to, to prevent it from happening by making sure that those games fail by not playing them, by not buying them. And if I guarantee you, if the cell phone crowd, if you guys were a little more uh, stingy on that shit and wouldn't accept it and just said, go fuck yourself, give me something real. We wouldn't even be, we wouldn't even be in this situation. Diablo Immortal would have never even been considered. If things like Candy Crush and all that stuff had never been successful the way they are on making money outside of those games would have never happened. And we'd all be better off for it. I guarantee it. Yep. I agree. I wish there was actually good cell phone games. Like literally, you know, dev time and everything put into them. You know, that, you know, weren't just uh, half-assed thrown together versions of games that already exist on PC and and console. The only examples I can give you of those kind of games that actually exist is like Game Dev Story. Great game. Still have it on my cell phone. Fucking love it. Uh, games like uh, The Room, where it's essentially a, a escape room puzzle puzzle game um, yeah. every time. Those games work, and those games are really good. Uh, stuff like that exists on phones, and and those are those I would consider, you know, yeah, that's a genuine game. Those are games that actually do come to PCs. Right. So... There are those things, those things where, yeah, you get, you get some games that are on PC and on, and on mobile, but the majority of mobile games, the reason why we consider why, why so many of us, I should say, consider mobile gamers, not real gamers is because a lot of your games are, are built around trying to milk you of money. They're not designed to actually be entertainment. They're not designed to be escapism. It's designed to just rake you through the coals and get as much money from you. I mean, I still remember, and this is a guy that very nice guy uh, that was in one of my, one of my classes years back. And he had two, two fucking cell phones. He had two cell phones to play Pokemon go. And I just looked at him like he was out of his fucking mind. And he's not the only person I've ever met like this. I, I, I mean, help. I know other people like uh, I, I think Brox was telling me about, uh, about like a, a friend of his that, that kind of did the same thing. Um, I've known people who have had like just, who've had several cell phones or know people who have had several, several cell phones just to be able to play these kinds of games, because a lot of these games, some of them require social interaction in order to get everything. So they just play it on two different devices to get that social interaction rather than actually talking to somebody else. You're, you're essentially talking about buying a second console to play the same game with yourself. Mm. Yeah. And I've, I've, you know, I've played my fair share of, of mobile games, nothing that I've stuck with for an extended period of time, but I've, I've spoken with people on some of them before. And there was one guy who has a like severe neuropathy mm-hmm. and this is pretty much all he could do. And he's like, it's either this or drugs. And, uh, you know, this is the healthier alternative. I get that. Like I absolutely yeah. get that. I was like, yeah. that, that's a, you know, great move. I was like, I wish it was in a better game, but you enjoy it. You know, that's that's your yeah, thing. Better life choice. I I support you all the way. Yeah. Now I feel bad for not calling you a gamer. 
<laughs> I, I still wouldn't call him a gamer. <laughs> it's right. it, 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 it passed within like 10 seconds of you telling me the story. So I don't feel bad anymore, but, <laughs> uh, so, so that, that's, that's kind of like listeners. I hope you, I hope you get it. You have a better understanding as to like the thought processes that we have with, within the group. Um, I know that it's mostly me talking all the time. Part of that is because I'm, I'm hosting, uh, one, you know, one of these days we'll do another podcast and I will have one of the guys host again and we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> it's rough. The guys, the guys know this. So trying to keep the, the conversations going and trying to keep everything uh, on task is kind of a pain in the ass. And right now I don't have the list. Anderson has the list. So Anderson, what is up next? Well, I'm altering the list from your rant. Cause I feel like I would add fuel. To the Sorry. Fire. You're good. good. <laughs> so I want to talk about, let's switch over to something positive. Okay. And the resurgence of Cyberpunk 27, uh, 27 due to the anime, Edge Runners. Oh, yeah, Edge Runner. And that yeah. actually led to a player base increase. And God bless those guys. They have been trying to actively work and continue to improve and add on to Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I will say hats off to CD Projekt Red for keeping their word on the fact that they are continuing to try and make a little bit more content for that game and trying to make it better than how it launched. Uh, you guys are fucking superheroes to me, uh, anyone on the dev team for doing that. And, uh, I hope that the company is showing their appreciation to you for continuing to do that, uh, and making the company look better. Um, because that's, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal, uh, for any, anyone playing a game, especially, especially with the shit that we've had happen with, with previous games to have another developer kind of take up that mantle, like, look, we need to make sure that we hold up to some of our promises because we made a lot of fucking promises that we're never going to be able to keep, but we've got to give them at least a good product, at least a, a, what seems like a finished product. So, uh, you know, hats off to, to those guys. It's, you know, it's the same thing I can say for, uh, the developer for, and I'm, they're, they're slipping my mind, but for, uh, what's it called? No man's Sky. Uh, uh hello world. Hello world. Uh, dude, holy shit. <laughs> Your game's not my favorite game in the world. Uh, and whenever I jump into it, I'm always kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to continue to do this, but that's just me. That's the kind of gamer I am. But the fact that you have brought your game from where it was when it launched, all the promises that were made, all the broken promises that were made, the the bad, really the bad, really, in, it's not really broken promises, but the bad PR decisions of talking about aspirations for the game that weren't in the game. Something that anybody's a fan of Fable and knows Peter Molyneux and uh, his uh, <laughs> his strategy of talking big about his games know all too well, and why people were exceedingly disappointed <laughs> disappointed when they got it. But you guys took that game from where it was, and you look at it today; it is not the same fucking game. Yeah. And at this point, it's a miracle you haven't charged for the extra things that have gone into it. Like I don't I don't know how you're doing it, but thank you. Yeah. For, on, on behalf of all the gaming community, thank you. Yeah, I actually, I enjoyed the game when it came out, but it definitely didn't live up to what we were, you know, a, a promise. Space pirates. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to be space pirates. <laughs> yeah, together, nonetheless. Together, and, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I jump into it on occasion, and it's it's significantly better. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, still, it, it, it in its skeleton is still there. Like, you know, in that sense, it's still the same game, but it's just so much more flushed out. Yeah. You know, but no, like you said, you know, we actually have a company that's 
you know, trying to own up to it and trying to complete their end. Like, we've got uh, Borderlands that's never getting fucking fixed. Um, yep, Borderlands dying, 3 listeners. Yeah, Dying Light 2, which I might have cross uh, uh, play by now. I, I, we, haven't, yeah. we haven't vetted that yet. But, I mean, it, it's been this long, and it hadn't existed. Uh, yeah. even though it was touted that it was definitely going to be in there, uh, fucking Halo Infinite, no, co- no co-op, no, no fucking split, split screen, screen co-op, co-op is ever coming. Uh, although you can technically make it work. We've seen the videos of people making it work. Yeah. Digital Foundry listeners. If you want to know how, if you want to know how that was done or, uh, or what it looks like, Digital Foundry showed them playing split screen co-op and it works. It works well. Yeah. For that. Yeah, the biggest issue I saw was the fucking ground texture fucking up when somebody was in their map. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's all these, especially bigger name companies that are just absolutely dropping the ball and not giving a fuck about completing their game. Yeah. So it's yeah. oh, by it's the a way, real, breath of fresh air when it's when it comes from a company that's. Not smaller per se, because I mean, they're at one point in time they were the richest company in, in Poland. Uh, yeah, but the, you know, not as mainstream as many other. They're a yeah, they're a fully depend independent company that uh, is much like in the vein of like what Ubisoft used to be. Right. So yeah, I mean, you you brought up uh, so Anderson since since we're bringing up Edge Runner as well with Netflix that has been massively successful on Netflix and has been getting rave reviews, but has also created somehow created a controversy when it came to a specific character. I believe her name is Rebecca. Uh, and uh, the fact that she is drawn in a lolly style, which is a juvenile style uh, for a character. Um, it's intentional in the show, but uh, people were saying that if you liked her as a character, uh, then that made you a pedophile. And a lot of people are going, I don't understand where you're getting this from. And you clearly have never watched anime because if this is now an issue, <laughs> half the characters. then yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, if this is now an issue, you need to go through and scrub for your or, years of anime. Years. You need to go back in at least 30 years, at least 30 years of anime at the least. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been something, this is a style that's been prevalent in anime forever. I mean, it's been in manga for fucking God knows how long. While some people have issue with it every now and then, I have an issue with it depending on how the uh, on what the character is and how the character is depicted, also um, the story, how they're treated, and how they're treated. Uh, but this character is in in cyberpunk is specifically designed this way because of the fact that their body is entirely augmented, which means their body's artificial to begin with. So you have, you know, like a 20 something year old person inside of a child inside of like a, a juvenile body. Uh, and that's just, that's just the character in the show. That's, I mean, that's part of cyberpunk is that shit's going to happen. The fact that this is, this has become such a huge issue, uh, re- reportedly a huge issue in media tells me that it's actually not a real issue. The only people that are complaining about it is maybe about 5% of the population. The rest of the anime population doesn't give a shit. And, uh, that would be why this show is so successful. If the show wasn't, if this was an, a real problem, then people wouldn't be watching it. You know, like cuties. If it's a real problem that people have with it, they won't watch it. 
That's kind of how these things go. So let society kind of figure out whether or not they're going to watch something. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, if they're not going to watch something, then you should probably remove it then. That's why shows get canceled. Well, I should say that's why shows used to get canceled. That's why, you know, some movies just get pulled from streaming services. Your demographic's not watching it. Well, guess it's not, guess it's not worth a damn then. In this case, it's very successful. So clearly your demographic is watching it and they'll continue to watch it. I mean, I haven't watched Edge Runner yet because I don't have Netflix listeners right now. I'm letting things pile up so I can go through a month of just blasting through stuff. I'm looking forward to Cobra Kai. God, I want to see Cobra Kai. Well, I can, uh, I can interject here. We Another member of this team has watched it, and he says he's loved it from uh, start to finish as uh, Josiah. Yeah, it looked interesting. I, I kind of want to kind of want to try it out. It made me, you know, just seeing the trailer made me reinstall Cyberpunk, so um, which so far has been running pretty well, but it ran pretty well on my old system. So I still listeners to this day. I still will not recommend anyone who has a last gen console. Not I, I don't play it unless you have a current gen console or, or current or a more up-to-date PC. Don't even bother. Uh, what else, what else do we have? Anderson, what else is next? Well, the only thing else that kind of happened is the official announcement that Stadia is dead. <laughs> yeah. Stadia, you you were dead on arrival, but yeah that that was that was news to me when when Anderson was like, yeah, Stadia is officially dead. I'm like, I thought they already made that announcement. But the thing I'm getting getting confused with was the amount of uh, studios that they had closed down. Now, only so. I would probably check in that on a hundred percent facts of a why, but listen to Young Yaz review or Young Yaz uh, coverage of it. Yeah, is that they're actually giving out full refunds to software and hardware of Stadia. I'll believe that when I see it. And that's what I said too. I was like, usually corporations don't give out, give back money. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen Google give back money for any hardware they've ever made. And there's a lot of it that was can't, that that have been canceled, never used again. So we'll see. Software wise, I could see them giving uh, refunds for if you've paid up annually and uh, as well as, um, making sure that you can download your game that you had through stadia. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see that being, being a, uh, a decision Google would make of, Hey, we're going to willingly give you back money, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. The other thing Lester's I wanted to cover really quick is hardware. Uh, so a lot of things have been happening in the computer world, including the announcements of the, since we last came on here was the RTX 40 series and AMD showing off the Ryzen, uh, the new Ryzen uh, Zen four processors. And uh, I will give you my quick take of it. The uh, I don't know what the fuck the industry is doing. I don't have any clue what the hell they're thinking because the cost to performance and the power consumption for these things is astronomically high. We have suddenly left an era that was going from everything's getting smaller, more condensed, more energy efficient and more powerful to fuck it, more power. <laughs> like it, it, I feel like I'm watching Tim, the two man Taylor on tech. It's just insane. Uh, and if you've seen the RTX uh, 4090 graphics cards, that are not the FE cards that are coming from like uh, Asus, the Strix card. These things are so large, they don't fit in current modern day cases. Current modern day cases that got rid of 
uh, disc trays specifically so they could fit larger graphics cards and more equipment inside, like with liquid cooling with AIOs or closed loops. If you're looking at doing a custom loop, you don't have anything to worry about because you were planning on most likely, at least I hope you would, liquid cooling your graphics card to begin with. So you're just going to end up laughing your ass off when you see how small the actual graphics card is. The other thing is, is that these cards are now so large that you can't sensibly make use of doing air cooling because some of them reach the very end of the case, which kind of restricts where air is going to go. It's a bit distressing when you're a builder and you're hearing things like Moore's Law is dead and that's coming directly from NVIDIA and you're going, what the fuck is going on? What are you guys doing? Like this is something that basically Intel tried to say a long time ago when they were trying to say that they couldn't make the jump from 10 nanometers down to seven nanometers. And then AMD did it. They're like, oh, just so you know, listeners, that's the distance between circuitry. Um, that's why they say nanometers. It's not the size of it, uh, of the whole unit itself. Um, but anyways, the, the whole thing that's happening now is that we're just going larger, more power. It doesn't fucking matter because they're waiting for this new generation of PSUs that haven't hit the market yet. They won't be out until next year, but they're just doing it regardless because who gives a shit? Fuck it, more power. And while I'm all for innovation and I'm all for pushing the boundaries of what these things can do, I also want to see them making innovations that make things smaller, cheaper, more powerful, while also using less energy. When you see what they're doing, you're going, all right, well, that's, that's awesome how quick and fast it is, but my PSU is not going to thank you. Now you combine that with the fact that these uh, GPUs are getting larger and you put like, I mean, you seriously, you take the Strix card and you put it next to a PS5 and it makes the PS5 look normal. That's how large these cards are. That's insane. So I have no idea what's going on. I'm looking forward to what AMD is going to put out for the RDNA 3. Uh, that's going to be coming out uh, next month. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. As for uh, Intel's Raptor Lake, that should be out this week. That's going to be awesome. Uh, so uh, hopefully AMD has kind of put Intel in their place and realized that, hey, we need to really step it up. And it looks like they're listening. looks like they're listening, especially to pricing. And uh, those are all good things. Competition actually is good for the market, especially in computing. So when you see that and you also see what nvidia is doing and how much control nvidia has over the market and how they're the big boy i'm looking forward to amd coming in and laying you know laying the smack down a little bit with uh, radeon i'm really hoping for it i don't know if it's going to happen they've seen some big gains from the 40 series we'll see what happens with rdna3 but i'm also really excited for the fact that intel has now entered the gpu market and they've officially released cards while they might not be the greatest things in the world it's also good to see intel showing up and saying hey look we can do this too it's going to take some time for intel to catch up guys this is a great thing if intel can actually step in and start scaring nvidia a little bit you're going to see some better things coming into the into the gpu market you're going to see some better things coming in to the computer market because look at how the the battle between amd and intel has gone amd scared the crap out of intel and as a result, we started seeing better prices from Intel with just the, the 12th generation we just had. So it's kind of it's so it's good to see them have some competition again and to see them go, OK, well, we're going to have to really work with the market to make sure that we're providing a good price to performance and we're also beating our competition. 
Unfortunately, the same can't be said for what AMD is currently offering. The Zen 4 processors, while they're very powerful, you're not seeing a huge amount of gains that you would normally be seeing from one generation to the next. So when you're looking at the 7950 and the 7900, you'd be expecting, oh, these are great for longevity builds like the previous generation was. Not so much this time. Personally, I'd recommend going with the 7700X. It's a great perform price to performance. It's good for gaming. It's good for work. It's a good all-rounder. It's kind of taken the place of where the 5900X was when it came out. That was one of the best price to performance increases we'd seen in CPUs in a while, especially from AMD. So that would have been the processor you'd go with for a longevity build. It's currently the processor I recommended for Josiah. And if you're going to be looking at building a computer this year, I still recommend the Zen 3 processors. They're solid. You know you won't have as many troubleshooting issues with the motherboards. They use DDR4, which is largely still cheaper than DDR5. And you're going to have a solid build for a long time. It's going to last you. There's not going to be these questions of like, oh, maybe if I had upgraded to the newest stuff. No, that's not going to happen for a while. You're going to be okay. The only downside is, is that it's not going to be using DDR5. While DDR5 is coming in, DDR4 is on its way out. Yep, you won't have the latest and greatest for memory. But that doesn't mean your memory is going to be bad in the years to come. It's still going to work. DDR4 is still going to be fine for a while. It just depends on what you really want. Now, if you have to have the latest and greatest of AMD, and that's the build you're wanting to go with, I can't recommend anything other than the 7700X. That's the one you're going to want to stick with. It's the performer for this generation. So you're going to want to go with that. If you're looking at getting into a budget build, and this is going to be your first system you've ever made, this isn't going to be a super longevity build, but it is going to last you a good while. The best CPU you can get right now is an Intel Core i3. Yeah, baby's first CPU. That's basically the best one you can get if you're wanting to get into gaming on PC. Why? Because the price to performance is unmatched on any platform. And on top of that, the money you save on the CPU, you'll be able to put into the GPU. On top of that, Intel is still supporting DDR4 even into the 13th generation. So you're not going to have a problem getting memory. You're not going to have a problem finding a motherboard that can be around the price points that you want to hit. This is something that's going to allow you to play everything that you've missed on PC for years, and it's not going to have a lot of issues. You're not going to have a massive bottleneck with your CPU and your GPU just because you went with the cheaper CPU. Whereas AMD, I can't make that recommendation because AMD doesn't really offer a budget CPU. The closest thing I could think of that would be a budget CPU for them would be a Zen 2 processor. And I wouldn't recommend those because there's a current chip offered by Intel that's cheaper and better right out the gate. And if you're wanting to go with Intel, you're wanting to go with the newest and best or anything like that, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between the 12th generation, 13th generation for cost because they currently are going to cost pretty much exactly the same. I think the 12th generation is going to come down a little bit in price once the 13th generation hits. But overall, you would have been looking at spending the exact same amount for a 13th generation chip and, and, and build as you would have for a 12th generation chip. So do I think the 13th generation is going to be better? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's actually competitive. It's giving you a better competitive price for performance. And hopefully they've worked out a lot of the heat issues that were with the 12th generation. Who knows? Would I recommend going above a 13700K? I don't know. 
uh, to be honest, if you're wanting to go with a really longevity build where you just like, I don't want to, I don't want to change my CPU and my motherboard for seven, eight years, then yeah, fine. Go ahead. Uh, you probably will be fine for quite some time with that build. You'll probably notice, start noticing some lag as you upgrade your GPUs throughout the generations, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be enough for you to go. I need to buy an entire new system. So longevity builds are more expensive. I used to call them future proofing. That's not really correct. In reality, you're just trying to make equipment that is current last as long as possible into the future as they become more obsolete so that they can still work with whatever is coming out in the future longer. That's it. So you're going to be spending a lot more money to do that than you would with a budget build. However, you're not going to be replacing entire motherboards and entire chips for quite some time. So the idea is that hopefully you're going to be saving money in the future that you would normally be spending in order to update everything else. Does that make sense? As it goes for GPUs, I cannot recommend anything current gen right now because even though you're seeing massive games from the 40 series, the 40 series is ludicrously expensive and requires so much power that I can't rightfully say, yeah, you should totally get it, especially when it comes to that Strix card and I see it barely fits in some cases. Go with a 30 series if you're going with NVIDIA. If you're going with AMD, go with a, a Radeon you know, 6000 series right now. Uh, we'll see what the 7000 series has to offer. Maybe I'll change my recommendation if those look really good. But uh, yeah, I mean, the current, the, the generation that has just now passed for GPUs are still fantastic. And we're getting some really good prices, especially for the Radeon cards. Jesus, man, I saw a 6950 for almost 700, for as low as 700 bucks. That's, that's insane. So yeah, it's not a terrible time to build. The downside is, is the prices are fluctuating a lot, especially with motherboards. Uh, motherboards are fluctuating just for the simple fact that the current generation of motherboards with Intel, uh, the 600 series are compatible with the 13th generation for Raptor Lake. And, uh, because of that, the prices went from dropping lower as, as it was getting closer to Intel releasing more information on the 13th generation series to suddenly, Oh, 13th generation is going to be compatible completely. So they just brought the prices all back up. It's complete bullshit. Also DDR five dropped for, for a bit. They've gone back up again. So be on the lookout for good prices. That's a big thing. And try to make sure that you're trying to save as much money as possible while you're building the best system you can for yourself. Next up, let's do reviews. Let's go ahead and go into this. All right, then. I, I don't have any games to review. I've just been working on backlog. That's fine, too. You can talk about your backlog if you want. Uh, anything you've been playing. I've mostly been playing Destiny recently. <laughs> uh, I just finally beat the very first Infamous game for the first time. Yeah? Holy crap, was that stepping back in the past of that kind of graphics and that style? Yeah. Just made me think of like how in the day when we play, used to play open world games on the 360 PS3 games and how big they thought they were compared to now. Just like the map size. There, there are still times in my brain for some reason that I think of old maps like that. And my brain convinces me that those maps were bigger than even current stuff, which is total bullshit. For me, it's uh, with the uh, I of time of Majora's Mask. My brain mm -hmm. still assumes those are just gigantic maps. But I yeah. know when I go back and I, you know, just touch up on it from time to time, I'm like, this is a small ass map. Yeah. Sometimes the uh, how you perceive how long it takes to travel it affects that. 
So if you have a game that. that doesn't have really good fast travel or high speed movement, then <laughs> that, that map will travel. feel a lot bigger. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Um, because yeah, there there are some maps I've I've thought back in the past. I'm like, this map was much bigger than than this area. Um, like that just crosses my brain, and I don't know why. And because I know for a fact, I'm like, that's bullshit. That's bonkers. Like I go when I when I talk about going back to like uh Forza, like was it Forza Horizon Two or Forza Horizon Three? Um, those maps feel larger than the Mexico map. And it's, it, it's complete horseshit listeners. The Mexico map is fucking huge. It just feels different because of the drastic differences in landscape and how, uh, things quickly change over in, uh, Forza horizon two. And I, you, or like, you'd think like when you're playing in the, like, I think it's the, uh, the European area of like Italy and uh, a few other uh, countries that are kind of on borders for one another that you're going across in that game. That's kind of how they're designed is to feel similar to those areas. But when you're going through, you're like, all right, well, you're going from one terrain to another terrain to a different kind of, you know, different kind of landscape. And it presents this weird, I don't know quite how to fully explain it. It presents like a weird uh, idea in your head of, Oh, this place is so much bigger than you think it is versus the Mexico map, which in reality moves more like how a landscape actually reacts, which is you go from, you know, valleys to, to jungle to like you, you would, it's a, it's more of a transition. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're, you're transitioning from one landscape to another, but because of the vastness of it, it doesn't feel as large. Your, your perspective, uh, your perspective of it in the game makes it feel smaller. And it's it's a we it's a really weird kind of thing that I've that, that I I feel like and it might just be me listeners maybe it's just my my broken ass brain uh, that feels this way but it just it definitely felt like when I went back to the Australian map when I went back to the the Europe map I was like I, these feel bigger even though they're drastically smaller going down you go down to the Forza Horizon Four the England map and, and it's smaller. Uh, even though it, it feels it, but it just feels bigger going from one terrain to another feels like makes it feel like there's so much, this great vastness to it because it's so drastically changes so quickly. Yeah. I um, mean, it's just like, you know, if I drive from here back to Colorado, if I go yeah. through Kansas, it feels longer <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> there's nothing out there. <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't really been playing much of anything other than destiny personally. Uh, I've been catching up on some of that and some of the season stuff with that. The season of the haunted was pretty cool. Uh, so far from what I experienced from that, the downside, like, so here's the, the great side listeners of like, you come back to these things and we've talked about this in the past of you come back to this game. And after years of not playing it, you're getting all this content thrown at you. It's so long as you have, I should say, so long as you have the season pass, that's something we've talked about, you know, miles and I've learned so recently, Mm -hmm. um, so long as you have the season pass, you have all this great stuff to experience and all this cool story, extra stuff to extra lore to go through. And it's like, when you do that, you feel like you're getting the full, you're getting the full amount of your money all in one go. But the downside to that is when you miss the seasons uh, and you don't play through them, you don't get all of the benefits of the season pass stuff. So like, you know, 
extra exotic weapons, stuff like that. You, you feel like you missed out on parts on, on those parts uh, initially. Uh, but I have to say, I, I still prefer, even knowing that I still prefer going and buying, you know, buying the, the DLC, getting all the season passes and coming back for them all at once. Uh, I don't know if I'll do that with night with, with Lightfall or not. I kind of, I'm curious to find out where that story goes with Lightfall. But at the same time, I don't know if I'll stick around through the seasons for Lightfall. Does right. that make sense? So I think I have may, the that annual may, pass for it. So yeah, if it's still holding my attention, then sure. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> experience has shown that that's usually not the case. <laughs> True. Uh, you know, even with this season, like this season's not, it's not, not something super special. It's cool to get that extra content drop every, you know, every week so far and getting that little bit of little, little nugget of, of more information, but I can, I can, you know, I can contrast that to going back and experiencing the season of the haunted. I can contrast that to going and experience, uh, you know, the psyop stuff and you get so much more out of those all at once like an actual, like it feels like an actual DLC versus the week to week. Yeah. And it's nice to have those other seasons piled up with the week to week, because at least you feel like, all right, well I'm done with this week's mission. I can go and experience the other stuff. Now yeah, you're not getting as burned stuff. out on the routine. Absolutely. And uh, what's funny is there's a lot of people who have been slowly, and this is one thing even uh, my name is Bife brought up is the fact of like one of the issues with the seasons is that they're the same thing every time of, you know, you do this event, you come back next week, you do this event. And he says, you know, it gets tedious. I'm like, dude, it's been tedious for years. I don't know why, like you're just now cluing in on this. Like, this is how, this is how destiny has always been. Yeah. You, you go in, you experience the content, the content's done. And there's nothing else to do. Now it's just grind and grind and grind in order to get the rest of the stuff. Now I will say listeners with uh, this is, this is old. That part of that is old school, that grind and grind and grind. The thing that that Bungie has made drastically improved, uh, just mechanics to how destiny works is getting pinnacle gear, making sure that your character can go up to level and how they've done that. And even in some, uh, in some, some areas where it's said, Hey, we realize that we put a a limit, a power limit on this, but in order for you to experience this, you're going to have to be this power limit. So for you to experience this, we're going to bring you up to that power limit instantly so that you can play this game. So it artificially, essentially artificially brings your character up to the, le- to the, to the limit of what the game needs in order for you to play it. And I was like, that's, that's exact. you guys like at that point that proves that one's light, light, like light levels are pointless, but two, that that's how you guys should have been always doing this. You should always, you should never be blocking off content to your, to your gamers. You should always be making sure that your, your community can play it. And they, but they still have the problem of matchmaking. Like they have, they have certain things like going up to master level and stuff and taking away matchmaking for doing master level uh experiences you have to have a full fire team in order to do stuff well then it's just the fucking raid and now i have the same problem now i have to use lfg in order to go into the game and 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 find a party that's willing to accept me and most of the parties are sitting there going well you have to know what you're doing you have to have this kind of gear you have to do that well i don't have that stuff i'm looking for somebody who's willing to teach me 
I'm, willing, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who's willing to go through this with me to get to help me with this experience and, and be a friend in this experience, not someone who's just looking to get whatever they can out of me. I, I, I you know, I'm not a, I'm not a prostitute. <laughs> You're not paying me to do this. So why, why is it that the, that so many of the communities have is, is treated that way? You have to have experience in order to do this. Well, I don't have experience in order to do this. I feel like I'm looking for a job back in the eighties. Well, you spent all your time in college. You should have just gotten a job, which by the way, is kind of where we're at now. <laughs> History just constantly repeats itself. It's, it's an interesting conversation I've had with Steve's like many times or the fact of, I, I want to be able to experience the raid. I wish that they would make versions of the raid and mechanics for the raid that allows you to play with three people instead of all six. Right. Because I can get a party of three. I can, I can get a, I can get a fire team of, of the normal amount. But when you're asking me to get six people together, most of the time, the people that I, that I used to play with don't play anymore or they, they come back way later. They're not really into it. They don't want, they don't, or they don't want to put in the work to do it. They don't want to do, they don't want to put in the time to build up their gear to actually be able to do raids. Well, that's a problem because while, while I'm willing to help them, I'm willing to go through the experience of helping them get up to raid ready. If they're not willing to do it, well, then it's pointless. I'm not saying it's pointless to play with them. I'm saying it's pointless to, to, to try to try the raid with somebody who's not willing to do that. Because at that point, you're just having to try and carry them entirely. And that becomes hard. I know this because I've done that to people. I always felt terrible back in, you know, I, f- I felt terrible back in the day when I used to do this to Miles and, uh, and Steve. Like, Steve would carry the shit out of me. Uh, Miles is now just the, the murder boner in the group. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, listeners, I, I, would, I had a hunter that, like, I was building up my hunter, but my hunter wasn't built for doing the dungeons. And I didn't know really what I was doing with my hunter for a long time. And my hunter was squishy. I mean, I'd get dropped fucking easy. And it's still squishier than, than a Titan. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Titans can be built like tanks. They're designed to be the, to be that way. Uh, it still pisses me off that they're faster than a hunter. That makes zero fucking sense. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that's just a gripe. The, the thing is, is like, I, they, you know, you can build up a Titan and I know how to build up a Titan. I know how to build up a warlock. I didn't know how to build up a, t- a hunter that was survivable and survivability is the biggest problem. Survivability in a raid, survivability in a dungeon, you have to have a character that is absolutely designed for, I will live longer and as long as I need to, if somebody else gets dropped, that I can pick them up or I can stay alive long enough to so that they can respawn. And a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't even know how to do that. Like me. So it's going to take time, right? Or Bungie could just create modes so you can experience the full story. I mean, they could create matchmaking. Yeah, I mean, people they, are doing that right now with LFG. They have, they have built in matchmaking. They have built in level scaling. Like there's nothing to stop them from doing it other than yeah, their weird raid mechanics that they'll institute. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the problem is like, 
they've proven they've now proven they have they have level balancing they ha- they've now proven they have you know we already know they have matchmaking but then they turn around and they create master you know grandmaster and master level quests and these these don't have matchmaking you go you don't have matchmaking why would i do them well and uh from what i've been hearing lately a lot of those aren't even worth doing because the rewards aren't don't equal up to what you can get in easier modes <laughs> correct there, like, there are still some things where, like, it's it, it's such a tedious task. Of, like, do this, this, and this, and you get powerful gear, like tier one or tier two, and then you see something else. It's like, do this once, and you get, you know, you get pinnacle gear, and you're like, well, I'm just going to do the once. Yeah. Why the fuck would I do this if I'm just going to get powerful gear? Sometimes the steps of like getting powerful gear seem like it's far harsher or far harder or longer to commit to than getting just going straight after the pinnacle year sometimes like just doesn't make any sense to me anyways. Yeah. Uh, so listeners with destiny, if you're looking at, you know, at jumping back in, it's not a terrible time to do it. I suggest you get the deluxe edition so you can experience all of the seasonal content. Otherwise you'll miss out. Uh, you'll only get the season that, that is currently running with the current DLC, which isn't bad. Uh, but you'll miss out on, you know, the season of the hunt stuff. You'll miss out on the psyop stuff. There's a lot of good stuff on the side that is enjoyable and does add more story. We watched Bullet Train. Miles finally got to see that. I'll be watching it uh, this weekend. Thought you might have already reviewed it, but yeah, it's fucking amazing. Totally worth the uh, purchase price. Yep, it's one of those movies like you know, like Top Gun Maverick, where you watch it and you remember this is why I used to go see movies. Yeah. This is why I go see movies in the theater. It's something it's for, for this kind of experience. Hollywood take note. You need to make more movies that are good. Stop making these bullshit, shitty fucking artsy, fartsy, non fucking sense that nobody fucking cares about. We're trying to bastardize established films. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I realize that film is a media or is a art medium, but not everything needs to be created with the collective Hollywood stick up the ass. So I also saw see how they run. I don't know if it's worth seeing in theaters, to be honest, but it's it's a good story. It's well told. Uh, the camera work is is really good. The editing is really well done. Uh, it's got some good comedy to it, and uh, I enjoyed the main characters. I thought it was uh, it was a fun fun story, and it's got some uh, some good narration thrown in there uh, to to start with. It's very. Uh, you know, very whodunit detective, you know, detective kind of uh, feel to it. Uh, if you like whodunits and and you like, you know, Death on the Nile, if you like uh, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, this is kind of a, a a comedy approach to those things, you know, bringing back some of the uh, comedic uh, whodunits. And uh, it's worth, you know, it's worth seeing. There's another one that's going to be coming out. I believe it's with uh, Christian Bale and I cannot remember the other gentleman's uh, name. Uh, it's going to drive, drive me nuts, but it is called uh, Amsterdam. That one looks also, you know, quite entertaining, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the, the one thing that that I say, I, I would say that Fox Searchlight does pretty well. It's uh, their comedies, like their their drama style comedies that they do are are usually pretty darn, uh, pretty darn entertaining. So, yeah, but I would say if you're not going to see it in theaters, I would recommend uh, at least renting it when it comes out. If you uh, if you like that genre. Uh, I also got to see the woman King. 
I don't know if I'd go see that in theaters, to be honest, listeners. It's kind of a one and done. So I would say rental and then, you know, you're good to go. If you're looking for it to be historically accurate, it is vastly inaccurate. Very much a revisionist history of the area and uh, of the tribe that it focuses on. There are some things that you could say, yeah, are accurate, but there's a lot of stuff that's just, nope, that's not how it was. Sorry. It's a movie, so take it for what it is. It's supposed to be there for escapism. I don't think they made it originally with that intention involved, but regardless of their intentions, it's still enjoyable to watch. But just remember, you're seeing a movie that's based on true events. And as we've discussed before, anything that says based on true events is wildly inaccurate, especially from Hollywood. They haven't been able to tell an accurate true story in decades. I mean, we're talking about an industry that literally had somebody say that the movie The Strangers is based on a true story or true events, when in reality, it was written based off of a story that the guy had heard when he was younger about something that happened in another town that never took place. So just keep that in mind when you're, if you watch this is that Hollywood's not going to tell you the true story. If you want the actual accounts of what took place, go grab a history book, go to the Smithsonian online, something because this movie does not depict any of that accurately. But if you want something that's entertaining, it's definitely entertaining and it's well acted. But yeah, I just wait for it to come out for rent. So anything else, guys? I don't have any oh. movies. I just got two shows. Okay. Miles, uh, you got any movie? Really cool. uh, the only thing I could think of, and we might have covered on the last one, I don't think we did, was the uh, Grand Tour special. Oh yeah, the Scandy Flick. Well, that yeah. goes in the shows. So, Anderson, go ahead and uh, go ahead and uh, take away the the shows really quick. We'll let you yeah. have the mic. So, uh, first up is the season five of Cobra Kai. Loach and I just finished that, and we both are about agree that that was a really good season. Um, they make up for what happened. At least season four. Reason why a lot of people don't like season four because that's probably the most teenage drama one yet. That's basically CW. It goes it goes CW for a bit. Yeah. So they took their lesson. You still get some teen drama in this one, but like cut it back like 25%. Okay. Significantly cut back. And actually you get some character growth this season, which is what really got me happy. That's uh, you guys saw my text up in the groups. And I think the character this season that had really a lot of growth was Johnny. I got to tell you really funny when you sent the text of Johnny is the best is, is back to being the best character in uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, my instant response to that was, when did he stop? <laughs> I think season four, just because even really? he had a lot of drama, too. Like, uh, just not necessary drama with Johnny. Johnny's must have been. He was the main reason I was still watching it. Yeah. <laughs> the finale was bananas on this one. Uh, well done. There's a part that actually is done really well. Choreographed, um, or I can't say that word. There was a uh, particular scene that was really well done with uh, Frank Sinatra's uh, My Time Has Come song. Like choreographed? Yeah, choreographed. There we go. That was very well done. Uh, All right. I think the season six will be the finale just because how this one leads to because they tied off a lot of side storylines in this season. A lot. I highly recommend it. I think this is probably... 
the second best season. I still think season one's really phenomenal. So I think this yeah. is the second best season of the series. That's good to hear. Yeah, I've been looking forward to watching it. Uh, I have seen tons of people uh, talk about it and tried to. I'm trying to avoid spoilers like crazy, but because uh, I hopefully I'll have Netflix next month. And they still um, stick or to, by the end of this month. Yeah, and good news is that they still stick to about like a. But the average runtime of an episode is about 38 minutes. So you, you can yeah. power through like two or three episodes and take a break. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll blast through that. Are you kidding me? The, this as quickly as I as I consume Stranger Th- or Stranger Things. Yeah. Cobra Kai is a cake cakewalk. <laughs> um, again, done in probably a day. Uh, they introduce other characters from previous uh, movies, obviously, yeah. back as their own characters. Uh, this season two, I think, because obviously, if you watch the last season, they they bring back Chosen, which was oh, the yeah. bad guy from Karate Kid two. Yep. Uh, I finally got uh, other people to watch Karate Kid three to understand who Silver is, who's the current bad guy in the series, and why okay. that should have been called Karate Kid: The Friend Zone. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend it. if you're if you like the series, just watch the first season. Seasons two and three are good. Just tough it out with season four and it gets back into rhythm with season five. Cobra with season five, does it have. So see every season they've had kind of like this, you know, cliffer cliffhanger feel to it. Does this one have kind of a similar thing of like, it's continuing, you know, it's obviously continuing into another season uh, uh, or is it more of a finality to it? To, to like a, a it's story. It's got arc. a cliffhanger, but it's a narrowed cliffhanger. Like they've, they tied up a lot of side storylines, so the cliffhanger is okay. very clear. Instead of having two or three cliffhangers going on, it's just the one. Gotcha. So, okay. like, uh, for instance, the last season four, it kind of left off, you know, you got the, the silver cliffhanger, you got the Miguel cliffhanger, you got the Johnny cliffhanger, all that going on. Yeah. They actually wrap up the Miguel storyline, like, first two episodes in the season. Just done. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I was worried. I was like, it's always it's always kind of worrying, like, with with because with season four, like like you said, they had so many cliffhangers at the end. Uh, you have that that creates like several different storylines to cover in one season. You're like, oh, I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> so that, that's good to hear. All right. Um, what's the uh, what's the other show that you have? All right. So I just got done watching season two of American Horror Stories. This is going to be confusing because we yeah. watched it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this listeners, this led to an interesting conversation because when Anderson said something about it, I'm like, it like he I I sat there I'm like I could have sworn he had watched all of uh, American Horror Story I'm like I'm confused he says season two I'm like I, I aren't they in like season like ten now or something like that <laughs> and it just comes back and he's like, no 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 horror stories I'm like oh the the spinoff one and he goes yes <laughs> I was like okay like so here like and here's the other thing like I I was under the assumption with with American Horror Stories that it was a like more of an anthology show, like more like twilight zone, like every episode was different. Uh, and Anderson cleared that up for me. It's not right. So it actually kind of have, obviously that the reuse actors, it's in the same world. It's just, there's, yeah. there's anthology stories and then there's other ones that are wrapping up storylines or doing backstory and characters that people really liked. Gotcha. So I, this, right, well, this season I can say right now was way better than the first. And a big factor of that is because I think they actually listened to the fans. Because the first season, okay. they really pushed uh, real-world agendas into it. 
Okay. And gotcha. this season, they just didn't do any of that crap. They just made That's a story a to move. have fun. And there was, I think yeah. even like the the budget was actually had a bigger budget. The even some of the just one off stories were great. There was a a villain from a from Coven got a backstory on this one that was pretty cool. I recommend it. Like it, honestly, you could probably just breeze through the first season just doing the fast forwarding trick of just like if you think it's too much yeah. fast forward their crap. Season two is actually worth watching all the way through the end. Okay. Uh, the only one that made me feel old is uh, the the finale episode of this season. Uh, the main one of the main stars was Alicia Silverstone, which I haven't seen in ages. She looks older, way older. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I would think so. Yeah. She's older than me. So. Uh. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I've uh, I've never really been into American Horror Story. Uh. Just because. The first season was good. Second season was okay. Third season, which one was the one with the, the witches? Coven. Yeah, that one was trash. That me. one had good parts, I, but I agree. I no. left. It was. I would yeah. say it was half good. Yeah, I left after after dealing with that. I was like, I can't do this. Um, and I just kind of I I just didn't keep up with it after that. Uh, I mean, it's good to hear that they've they've looked at their demographic and realized, all right, well, we need to stick. Take it as criticism, follow the criticism, take it to heart and realize what you're doing wrong and why you're losing your audience. They lost me. Not, not because I, because of that, they lost me just because I, what I wasn't their primary demographic in reality. I wasn't the one watching it, obviously, because they still have a big enough demographic to continue the show. Right. You well, go with your demographic. <laughs> that's what makes American so, horror story unique for like the, the main, the main series or the main franchise yeah. is that each season is different. So yeah, it's really you fall in love with the season, or just wait until the next one. Yeah, or or you just wait till the next one. And I've thought about picking up a different season and going into it and and uh, trying from there, which I probably will at some point. Mine, but, I could tell you hands down, I still think their best season of all time is uh, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, you've told me that, so I might I might have to go back and watch that like one. Like one of the main bad uh, guys in that one's uh, Richard Ramirez. Nice yeah, I know. I know. One yeah. of their least popular seasons was the uh, one that was split between two different storylines. That lines, was last season. Aliens. Yeah, it was called that Double was a Feature. Idea. Uh, it was just it was bad between because of the how it was written. Yeah, and on top of that, they added real world politics to it. Yeah, just just overall, like to me, it just overall a bad idea. Like you can try something new, uh, but if you're going to try something new and then everything else, you're going to try new on it and and start doing that stuff. Well, uh. Change is not always accepted very well, <laughs> and it clearly wasn't with that no, season because I, I remember, I I remember hearing how much. Yeah. yeah, I remember how much fans were just pissed off with like, "This isn't very good. I'm leaving. I'll come back next season see if they do something different." And at least with this show, they have the upside of like they can instantly change the next season. Like the next season could be completely different because it's going to be different, right? Uh, some shows can't do that. Some shows, once they go down that route of like, all right, we're going to start bringing in real world, real world politics. And we're going to start focusing on this stuff as our main concern. You can't take that back. It's very hard to turn that ship. Once you start doing it, which is why when fans start seeing it, they go, you need to start, you need to start turning. Now, if you don't, it's going to go bad. It's not going to go well. This is not going to increase your fan base. And that's how you end up with shows like in the CW where they lose their entire fan base because they just don't get it. Now I will say with, with the CW, their, their fan base dropped off. Not, not because of real world politics and reality, bad their fan base. Yeah. Their fans, their fans dropped off because of 
bad, bad writing. I mean, it was just awful. Uh, you had characters where Miles and I have talked about this many times. If you have characters that never learn and can never grow, then you have a problem. You're basically and, watching and, a sitcom at that point because it's just going to repeat exactly. itself. Yeah. <laughs> Without being funny. <laughs> yeah, you might as well be watching a soap opera, and that's exactly it. Well, it's like The uh, Flash. We bitch about The Flash all the time because Barry never learns and the villain's always a speedster. At this point, yeah, why it's, the fuck am I going to watch the, it? It's the ultimate example for what took for what took place within the CW for what was taking place within the CW. Now I will say some shows dropped off because they did bring in real uh, real world politics and they couldn't consistently stay within you know the boundaries of their own made up fucking world. Uh, uh, yeah. Supergirl is one of them. I was thinking the other one, the uh, League of Tomorrow, or Legendaries, whatever the group one was, where they were yeah. travelers. Yeah, that like you 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 can't stick to what you've already established or you decide to, all right, for this episode, we're going to focus on this or we're going to make an outside statement of some, you know, like for one of the fucking things, like I, I instantly can, can bring this up with uh Supergirl. with Supergirl, They had a female president in the show, right? She was a alien that had disguised herself as a human and was now living on earth and had been voted into, into office. That was their, their basically one of their statements of immigrants, like immigration that within that same fucking season, they also had an episode that dealt with illegal immigration and the unfair policies that the government, that this illegal immigrant from an, from an alien planet who had become president, that nobody knew she was an illegal immigrant, the stances that she was taking and the government was taking against immigration. That's a direct contradiction from one episode to another. You you've you've now just broken all fucking reality for your own show just because you wanted to address a real world issue that you felt like needed to be addressed. That's the stuff that drives us nuts. That's the stuff that makes us pissed off. So when to hear so to hear heart like America Horror Stories kind of see like, yeah, hey, uh, we realize that we see the writing on the wall. We realize people are kind of pissed off about this. We're going to detour from this from from here and and we'll put this on the wayside maybe we'll put in our own uh you know our own analogies our own little uh, messaging into an episode here and there uh because you know that's that's been prevalent in media forever you know you you can always you can, you know anything can have an agenda you can have an agenda that's just as simple as you know evil bad good good that's an agenda but it's how you show that off it's how you represent that. So do you have it be a direct reflection of reality or just something fun? And you should always choose something fun. Something that people can, while they can be mindful of it and they can think about it and it can cause them to think at the same time, that should never break their reality of the show. It should never take away from what they're getting with the show, which is an escape from their actual reality. Anyways, refreshing to hear. For a showrunner to or for a show to do that. Um wish more shows would take that note and go, yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna not do this, we're gonna do this. Uh but yeah. Um uh, the other show that uh that we watched was the Scandy Flick. It was well, it's not really a show, it's more like it's just a special, right? For yeah. for uh Grand Tour. And yeah. It was, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there were definitely moments I had concern for a certain person's <laughs> health and safety Yeah, for this episode a, f- a few times. Yeah. 
That being said, it was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, proving, proving every time that their their specials are the feature to to always watch. Even when you know that oh yeah, this is completely fake. You know they 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 set this up. It doesn't matter. It's still funny, and it was still so entertaining that you just you don't care. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, watching the uh, the follow up videos, uh, at least with uh, James May and Hammond, uh, <laughs> was was great too on YouTube. Do you um, think Clarkson was was stuck, you know, working on his farm? No, <laughs> would have been funny though. Been funny. No, not not in the car. I, I, I'm just saying, stuck stuck working on his own farm, like actually having to be on his farm rather than be able to meet up with them. Could have been, could have been. He might have hurried. Oh, I Although I do have to say, listeners, if you watch that that uh, little behind the scenes clip of them, you know, talking back and forth while they are in that uh, that what would I assume is a hay field, uh, I feel bad for the sound guy because that guy must have fucking hated life while they were crunching around, and you can hear the crew all behind him crunching around on. <laughs> on the fucking field while they're talking about this. I was like, God damn, like it was driving me nuts. And I was listening to it. I couldn't imagine being the guy with the boom. mic, <laughs> just sitting there going, I fucking hate my job. <laughs> and when you Listen said that, I thought around. you were just alluding to the, uh, the amount of wind. <laughs> it was probably, oh, no, cause a- there was wind in there too. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like, a, like I was like, they, they probably saw that look. She's like, yeah, it's really pretty. And then got out there and the sound guy was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, totally worth the watch. Uh, look forward to the next one. It was good to see them get out of England, uh, or yeah. well, I should say, out of the UK uh, for one, because I think their past two have been uh, England and Scotland. I believe so. But so it was nice to see them go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, and uh, was, they uh, stayed in the Arctic, Arctic Circle, pretty much the entire time. So, yeah, the uh, what they call the last European wilderness is what they yeah. say. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, they they had a, you know it seemed like they had a good time. There was definitely some dramatic uh, moments that were not intentional. Uh, there there was you know two moments where I went oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know specifically, but it was it was overall a good time. There was some hysteria hysterical fucking pranks that I, I genuinely think those ones were real reactions to I'm like, what the fuck? At least a couple of them. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. So, uh, yeah, definitely recommend if you have prime, take a look at it. It's worth the watch. Speaking of, uh, escapism, uh, Rick and Morty has been great this, this year so far. <laughs> oh yeah. Rick and Mor- Rick and Morty Archer has been fantastic. Archer's bringing back a lot of the humor and style that we were used to from the first few seasons. Yep. Um, yeah, that just, just some good, like overall good television coming from, uh, coming from those two and, uh, a nice, a nice break from reality. So listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Whether you're Romulan or Vulcan, Sith or Jedi, we just want you listening to us. Doesn't really matter what your uh, what your affiliations are, what your what your personal opinions are. Uh, we just want to give you our opinions. See if you can take that in. And if you agree with us, great. If not, no problem. This is Vargo, Miles Anderson. Keep on geeking on, and we're out. <laughs>
busted out old pickup truck Said I do in late October By November she was showing By July the jig was up So they bought a house Past a rundown church outside of town She said baby I can't take it Maybe this was a mistake I'm not the type to settle down Said all the doubt in town ain't enough to shake the ground that my feet have been walking on. Girl, I love you now till I hear that trumpet sound. Oh, wherever you are, I belong. He lost his job at the sawmill around Christmas time. Yeah, the bills were piling up And all the odd jobs weren't enough To keep a timber on the fire She said, oh my God My daddy warned me that this day would come My mama's waiting in the car I can't let my baby start Honey, you and I are done And he said, all the doubt in town Shake the ground that my feet have been walking on Girl, I love you now Till I hear that trumpet sound Oh, wherever you are, I belong Trumpet sound, oh, wherever you are. 